Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's get nasty on a Thursday. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN with Andrew Marsh and Anthony Stalter. Our guy Alex Ferrario pulling extra duty today. We asked BK to do it yesterday. Alex was gracious, gracious enough to join us for the first hour today. Dan McLaughlin will be in at some point, maybe 4 o'clock. Uh, Jamie Rivers from the road, 3 to 5. So we got kind of a hodgepodge <laughs> show again for you today. You got a whole crew with this one. Hey, we appreciate all hands on deck it when it comes city. to the fast lane. Absolutely. At least a studio takes a station. <laughs> uh, Blue Sharks tonight, pregame starting at 8.30. You will hear Alex Ferrario on uh, on the pregame and the postgame. Of course, the intermissions as well. Sharks having a pretty good season thus far, guys. I'd They're, say so. They've been very competitive. Nope, they've been terrible. Historic season. Historically bad. Like, imagine being a Sharks fan, as I know you are, uh, and knowing that you're going to be a part of history. Yeah, you're going to be a part of history this season, of being the crappiest team in NHL history. Alex, when you look at this, I'm just going to jump right over that. (laughs) When you look at this Blues team and how things have, have turned around, I think we were asked yesterday by somebody, and maybe it was BK, BK said, is it, uh, is it for real? Do you, are you buying into it? Is it tangible? I think so, because I think that this team is a playoff team. Now, there's a, that's, there's a long pause to that. I didn't say, I, I'm not saying the Blues are a playoff team and they're going to make a deep run. Yeah. We'll see as the season wears on if expectations change. But we're still in November. I think that this is a playoff team. I didn't say they were going to come out of the gates on fire. In fact, I think we probably should have waited uh, uh, just a tick to see how the new system was going to develop, to see how these new pieces were going to fit in, to see how Craig Berube would move the chess pieces around. We didn't. We were impatient like we always are. And it's like, same team. No, it's not. I think it's for real. But I'm not saying it's for real from a Stanley Cup standpoint or even a second round standpoint. I just think that this is for real what we're seeing now because I believe that this is a playoff team. What about you? It's amazing how we, and I'm saying we because all of us felt this way, looked at it as, oh, it's the same team in the first couple of games of the season when the offense was the problem this year. It wasn't the defense from the get-go. I mean, you 2-1 against Dallas, 2-1 against Seattle in your first two games. I'm with you. This is a playoff team, not a cup contending team. And it's right on par with what Doug Armstrong said at the beginning of the season. He said the hope is to be a third place team in the central or to be a wild card team. We want to be in the upper tier of the middle tier. And if you look at that middle tier in the Western Conference right now, Stoltz, you're up there with Winnipeg, with Anaheim, with Arizona. That's the middle tier that he was talking about. You're better than Nashville. You're better than Minnesota. You're better than Seattle. You're better than Calgary. You're better than Edmonton. Mm -hmm. And that's success in my eyes. Is it sustainable? The past couple of years, November and December, have been when the Blues have lost that that ground that they gained with really good runs. Last year, they, they got the seven-game win streak in November around this time, yep. and then they lost it all in December. So things could still alter in a different direction, 
but the part that I will plant my flagpole on and say, yeah, this team is different and this team is a playoff team is because their defensive structure has been changed. Well, that's the thing, right? So you're early 30s, right, Alex? 33. You're 33. Marshy, you're mid-20s now? 27. Ah, 27. You don't, like, you don't look a day over 24. No, you really don't. What? Yeah, Luscious young, hair. Handsome dude. Maine. Handsome as ever. Andrew Marsh. <sighs> so, guys, uh, I'm in my early 40s. I'm 41. And don't look a day over 35. Thanks. Folks. Thanks, Alex. I appreciate that. The kids keep me young. Um, <laughs> Dream into that. As you get older, I, this is how it's been for me. I don't know if, if people that are my age or a little bit older feel the same way. But as you get older, you start to like weed out some of the philosophies that you've heard and have almost believed in you know your 20s and your 30s and you start saying no you keep fall- falling back on certain things mm-hmm. run prevention and goal suppression are two of those things in baseball and hockey respectively that i keep coming back to and they're boring they're like insurance <laughs> but you need insurance insurance is boring but that's your defense system when it comes to your finances, right? You're trying to ensure that when you get older, that your money's still going to be there. It's not as exciting as buying and trading stocks or s- certain risk, you know, riskier habits that might net higher profits, right? But insurance is your your defense. You need it. You need the right insurance. And you can't really get away from it. But you know when you fall back on certain things, you better fall back on, you better have your 401k, your yep. Roth IRA, all that. Try to know you're covered. That is where I feel the Blues are right now. The Cardinals did not have the insurance in place last year. They did not have pitching. They did not have defense. And it blew up. Yep. We loved the offense. And I, I will say it too. And it was a perfect lesson for me last year. Going into the year, I said, boy, this offense going to mask a lot of weaknesses. If the pitching is merely average, we're going to be fine. We're all yeah, bang. Like stocks going to bring in all yeah. the money. We're good to go. No. Nope. Nope. That's you stock need pitching. Went... You need pitching. You need defense. So when I say that I'm I'm a believer in this Blues team, it's because I know they have certain insurances in place. Mm-hmm. Their goaltender, Jordan Biddington, is playing out of his bleeping mind. The defense, as of right now, knock on wood, is structurally sound. I believe that the offense will come around, and it has. Since the Devils game, they're they're leading the league in scoring. They have the foundation in place, though. Yep. They didn't a year ago. No, they didn't. I mean, your defense from, from top to bottom, you didn't have a guy playing like a number one defenseman. This year, it's very evident that Colton Pareko is. Stunt. You didn't have Krug and Falk performing like a, a reliable pairing on both the offense and defensive side. Krug and Falk are a plus 20 since November, on the season right now, which is a vast difference from last year. And then your five-on-five play. I mean, this is... This is that fallback you always talk about, Stoltz, because mm-hmm. when your your power play and your penalty kill suck, how's your even strength game? It's right. what Ken Hitchcock used to talk about. Like, if you're good on goal suppression at even strength, you'll figure out the rest. Well, they're the third best team in the National Hockey League at even strength in terms of goal suppression. The only two teams better than them are Vancouver and Boston, and those are two cup-contending teams. Now, I, the Blues aren't a cup-contending team. We're all on the same page there. But you're absolutely a playoff team because of the even strength defense and plenty of hockey execs. What they do to judge a team playoff wise is you look at the goal differential. Are you a plus or are you a minus? Well, right now, there are eight teams in the Western Conference that are a plus goal differential, and the Blues are one of them. And that trend 
if it continues this way from Thanksgiving on, you'll know who the playoff teams are. And right now, that's the Blues. Do you think the goaltending has had a huge impact? Not Obviously, Jordan Bennington has been lights out. Mm-hmm. But having Joel Hofer as that backup compared to Thomas Grice, the defense, perhaps they feel a little bit more comfortable when Hofer is in. That gives... The coaching staff, the confidence to play him more, give Bennington some time off. Mm-hmm. And overall, I think the defense just play better when they feel comfortable that someone, even if they do mess up, someone is behind them making stops. And I think both goaltenders do that. I think that goes a long way. What do you guys think? Alex, I'm interested in your thoughts on that. I would say, Marsh, right church, wrong pew. I think that you're right in that it's a confidence thing, but it's more confidence in the system and the structure as Mm -hmm. opposed to who's in net. Now, when you have Bennington doing what he's doing, that first period the other night, I I think it breeds confidence. I, I can't speak to whether or not when Hofer's there, it's the same like belief system but I think that when you listen to Craig Berube and Bennington Bennington talk about buy-in they're really talking about buying into the system buying into the structure we know this works and it doesn't necessarily matter who's who's in that if it's Hofer that's my thought well and Hofer plays so similarly to Jordan Bennington that it's Mm -hmm. like it's the same guy the difference in the last couple of years is Ville Husso didn't play like Jordan Bennington couldn't move the puck as well as him right Thomas Grice couldn't do that and so there was a I don't want to say there was a lack of confidence, but you were always trying to overcompensate because of the goaltender. And this happened with Bennington, too. Mm-hmm. I remember, I think it was talking with Colton Pareko about this last year, where it's like you're always so focused on keeping the puck in the offensive zone because you don't want to make mistakes. But Jordan Bennington, if that one goal gets past him and it's the head dip moment, it's like, oh, geez, we're not going to be able to come back from this one. And if our goalie can't stop that, now what? Now you're talking about the Blues offensive getting from the defense. They're jumping into the rush. And if odd man rushes half the other way, Mm-hmm. We're like, well, our goaltender's got us. And yep. if he doesn't, the Blues at least have that confidence in the structure that you're talking about that, hey, we'll get it back to this one. But to the point of having two goaltenders that play yeah. so similar, that's absolutely where the confidence is coming from. Mm-hmm. And and I think the workload is going to go back to what it typically has been, where you're looking at 50 to 55 games for Jordan Bennington and not forcing it to be 60 games like last year. Right, and that, that, that's kind of my point, too, because you get later in the season – you want Bennington to keep playing the way he has right now, which will hopefully lead into the playoffs. And he's a different animal when it comes to the playoffs. We no know doubt. that. I mean, I'm going to throw the bubble out. That doesn't count. <laughs> we got a text though from 636. Do you guys think that this is the best we've seen Bennington? That this is the best that he's looked since he's been a blue? It's hard It's hard to say I mean, you can't, yes, you can't beat 2019 yeah, Cup run. That's, that's, that's what I'm thinking. But the I mean, following year when he was an all-star stalls? Same guy. I will say this: He does right now remind me of 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 the same Bennington he was in the Dallas series. That, of that, that 2019 Cup run, yes. yes. That's when a good he, comp. I thought he was so, and maybe I'm just thinking of Game Seven, and that's the only game that's sticking out. And I should I should really go back and look at <laughs> my history there with the, with uh, Game Seven. But I thought he, that Dallas series, he was just a filthy animal. And oh yeah. He's reminding me right now of that psychopath mm-hmm. that has no heartbeat, and I love it. Yeah, I love watching him play, and I love that he has gotten back to that, and he's somebody that is so willing or so ready 
to to take the arrows and then shove it so far up everybody's rear end mm-hmm. it, because everybody's been doubting him over the last couple of years. That's the Bennington I love watching. A- absolutely. And and we talked with Joey earlier today, and Joey said he's not seeing much difference from Bennington from what last year to this year was. It's the defense in front of him that's changed. And, yep. and he's right in the sense of, like, Bennington had a lot of good stretches last year. It's just when the defense broke down, he broke down. But you're absolutely correct in the Dallas Stars series and even that Boston Bruins series where yeah, he was, he was so too. level-headed. Yeah. And I'll go back to the conversation we had with Mike Liute about a month ago. And he said, as a goaltender, you have to hit the point in your career where you say there's nothing else I can do for my team other than stop the puck. Mm. And I think he was talking specifically about Bennington to where, look, you can have the extracurriculars. You can try and pump your team up when it's not looking good by swinging your stick at other guys' faces, but it's not going to matter if you don't stop the puck. You're right. And Bennington has this mindset right now. He's so calm that when things look like they're going haywire, it's, okay, well, I'll just stop the next play. Yeah. The, the Vancouver Canucks game, perfect example, Stalls. It went against you so fast, but he just kept saying, we're in this, we're in this, we're in this, we're mm-hmm. in this. Now it fell apart, but after that first period, you were being dominated, yeah. but it was a one nothing deficit. Right. That's the Bennington you've got now. I'd rather watch this. I don't mind him doing some of the some of the antics that I we saw either. a year ago, but it, it did feel like, and even even Barubi said, yeah, we're just going to need the goaltender to play goalie. Yeah. You know, because it got, it got bad. All I could picture now is the movie 300. When Gerald Butler's got the shield and he's getting all the arrows in the shield, and then he just stands up and breaks all the like that's what I'm picturing Bennington right now, like just taking the arrows, chiseled too, just chiseled yeah. out of his mind, absolutely. Leg strength, all 185 into, uh, pounds of him into the the pit of death. Or oh, yes. Absolutely, that thing was called. yes, exactly. You've seen Bennington's leg strength, just. Yeah. This is St. Louis! (laughs) (laughs) That's Alex Ferrario. That is Andrew Marsh. I'm Anthony Stalter. 2.15, your time check is brought to you by Collection Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Let's talk a little bit about the Cardinals. Let's talk about roster building. One thing that, and we're gonna we're gonna evolve the conversation. Obviously, they need pitching this off season. But when I talk, when I when I say roster building, I hope they're building for one specific. I hope they're building in one specific way. They have not been doing that for about two decades. I'll explain next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I was thinking about the Buffalo Bills following the the firing of Ken Dorsey. And follow me on this. I will land the plane. But it applied. The, I was thinking about the Bills and the roster structure and how they're built. And I started to, I started to compare that to the Cardinals. Alex Ferrario, Andrew Marsh, Anthony Stalter. It's fast lane on 101 ESPN. The Buffalo Bills are not built like they should be. The Buffalo Bills should be a team that is incredibly physical. Their offensive line should be able to push people around. Josh Allen should be the perfect fit for Western New York. Strong arm, running ability, all of that. And the Bills defensively should be a team built like the Steelers, the Ravens, other outdoor teams that when Alex January comes, they should punish you. The Bills are built like a dome team. They're built to try to get a lead quickly. They're built smaller and faster on defense. And when they host a playoff game or they get in the playoffs, 
it doesn't work. They get pushed around. Dome teams should be built like dome teams. <laughs> dome teams should be built like we're going to score 30 and try to out outscore our defense every day. That's just the way it is. It's kind of like baseball. When baseball used to have teams that were specifically almost built for their ballpark. Mm-hmm. How this relates to the Cardinals to me, Alex, is that you know when I think of the Bills, I feel like they're built to try to beat the Chiefs. Let's build it that way. We got to have speed on defense. We got to match up well with Patrick Mahomes, and they completely overlook the fact that they they got to get to Arrowhead, and they get roughed up by the Bengals, so they get roughed up by somebody else. The Cardinals for decades are built to win the NL Central, and not making the playoffs it offers an opportunity to reset your line of thinking. I do not want to see them just merely improve from a year ago and try to win the NL Central. They have got to think beyond that. Mm -hmm. If they don't build a pitching staff that can compete with Atlanta and Philly and the Dodgers, they will suffer the same fate that they have suffered in previous years. And before anybody says it, I realize that the offense cost you against Philly. I realize that the offense cost you against the Dodgers in that wild card game. Don't confuse bowing out early because you don't have your offense with actually sustaining a deep playoff run. That has everything to do with how your pitching staff is set up. And by the way, if you had two guys that absolutely shoved, you wouldn't have to worry about your offense. At least two guys. So Alex, when I when I look at this offseason, yeah, they need pitching. But if they do not build their roster to compete with the better teams in the National League, this will be a wasted opportunity because all we talk about next year is, oh, they're improved. They're going to make the playoffs. That's nice. And they'll bow out early again. Well, and, and this is what I, I've talked about and my concern is that this offseason is just going to be about kicking the can down the road for another year or two until you've got this next crop of young players to step into the rotation. Patchwork. Tink Hentz, McGreevy, Graceffo. The problem with that is, when was the last time the Cardinals actually had sustained run from guys that they brought up through the system? Mm-hmm. It's either been injured, they've traded them away, or they didn't live up to those expectations. So the way... I kind of view this as like what the Washington Nationals did, where where they built it for that run, or even the Chicago Cubs, they built it for that run, but it felt like they didn't build it for that big picture where you're staying in place. Like the Atlanta Braves have just built what they've built. And I understand that that's a, a tough comp because Atlanta has gotten incredibly lucky with some of the guys and the talent that they found, but just saying that we'll win the NL Central means that you're just patchwork you're just looking at this as well if we sign Sonny Gray for three years it's going to make us good we'll be able to stay in the running with the Chicago Cubs we know Milwaukee's going to be bad maybe we're better than Cincinnati but we don't want to go to the point where we're trying to go big picture here of trading a Nolan Gorman for one of these top young arms that could be available or going that extra length to sign a Yamamoto who seems to be out of budget for them or even the Aranola. It's just we got to be good for the next couple of years because we know we've got stuff in the making. But guess what? When that stuff in the making doesn't show up and your offense doesn't back up what you were hoping your pitching was able to cover, yeah. now you're kicking the can down the road for two more years and saying, well, maybe the next free agency crop we can find a, a diamond in the rough. We, we hear this every single, like, what, five years? Like in 2018, it was the same the same conversation. Well, you know, we're, we're building for 2023. I, I, I think I remember listening to this station 
and hearing that from from Mo, and I could just be making that up, but I'm pretty sure you know we're we're looking towards the future. Like I'm sick of hearing that. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to look towards now. Like what are they doing now? Yeah. Well, and and how, okay, so how do we how do we take like this metaphor of you know building a roster that's going to compete beyond the NL Central, and how do we actually apply it? What that means to me is not merely signing two pitchers, signing three or four. Because you don't know if Steven Matz is going to complete an entire season for you. You don't know if Miles Michaelis is going to bounce back and have more of his May performances than he did his April performances. You don't know if the guys that you signed are going to have good seasons. You don't just stop at two pitchers, kick up your feet, and say, we have improved. Yeah, you improved, but are you building a roster that's going to be sustainable? Are you building a roster that's going to look good in October, just like it does in April? I worry about the Cardinals just saying, we just need to improve upon what we did a year ago. Nope. This is a perfect reset. So sign three or four pitchers or trade. You know, It doesn't have to be signing, but acquire four new arms. And if Zach Thompson shoves in spring training, great. Either have him in the bullpen or use one of these new guys to go to the pen. And you could do that if you if you sign some of these guys on one-year deals. You know? You don't guarantee anything on a, on a one-year deal. It would be great to sign one of the top dudes. I hope they do. But if not, if you miss out on the top guys, you better sign or acquire four pitchers. You need depth this year, quality depth. Well, and that's my concern. Uh, the, and I know I'm the I might be in the minority because the the word prudence that John Mozeliak used at the GM meetings it is stuck in my crawl like none other. Because every time you use the word prudence, it's like okay, well, we're not going to spend the money to get this because we know that we've got pieces that could be internal upgrades over what we'd be going after. Yeah. And maybe that's true. Maybe Zach Thompson is this stud that we didn't see coming, and it was better than going out there and giving a three year deal to Sonny Gray in the long run. But th- that's the dessert, though. Exactly. Right. That's what, the dessert. What you try and accomplish, that, and, and not to make it come to hockey, but like every, everybody looks at the Blues and they, they talk about all the left-handed defensemen that they have in their system. And it's like, well, what are you going to do with 18 guys in your system that all play the left-hand of defense? They can't do that. Well, guess what? If one of those guys force another player out of their position, that's called an asset that you can move elsewhere. Or that's called an asset that makes your team much better. So if you go out there and sign three guys, but you're like, well, we don't want to spend the money. We want to be prudent with our finances. Mm-hmm. And we've got Zach Thompson and Matthew Liebertor who showed stuff at the end. Great. Make those guys continue it. Because if they do, now those become assets for you to be a deeper team off or uh, pitching-wise. Rather than sit there and hope that these guys do by making them the five-starter. And then when they're not, Oh, well, we, we thought they were going to be better. I just noticed something. It's really funny, Alex. You And I know other people have done this, too. You And and I don't blame you based on the Cardinals, what they've done. You're, the word prudent does not mean cheap or frugal. But we almost, when we hear oh, Mo yeah. say, I thought it, too. When we hear Mo say prudent, you, we immediately jump to frugal or cheap. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. That is the, that because that... Just listening to Mo and his rhetoric, it sounds like that's what he said. We're going to be very measured. We're going to be very, you know, um, risk averse. Yeah, we're going to be very specific of how yeah. we spend our money. We're not going to just go out there and be aggressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. They have been like that before. Right. And it didn't work. Yeah. Every it time they work. use the word prudence is why I go that route. Right. So 
Change it up. You need you need to do something different. Otherwise, you're going to lose 90 games again. You, you know what I you know what I equate the word prudence to? John oh. Mozeliak going to Korea or Japan and signing a pitcher, and not Yamamoto signing Imanaga, and, and maybe the guy is better than what we're expecting, or signing another guy like Miles Michaelis that say, well, this guy's been great overseas, and we feel like that we get a bargain in this. And guess what? Michaelis was great, but how many other times did you try that, and it didn't work out? Well, I'm okay with that if if, if the other moves are Sonny Gray and Marcus Stroman or, or some combination of that. I, I don't mind them not dipping their toes into seven years of Aranola, but what else are you doing? But Can I those... mind them saying, that's the, that's the guy, and then we'll add on to it. Yeah. Can Sonny Gray and Marcus Stroman, can they win you a World Series? Probably not. But that that all fall back to the reality is you have to develop your your next days. For that's, sure, that's the reality. I would much rather. So now it comes down to okay, what would you rather have? Would you rather have a Stroman and, and Gray and know that man, we're really good. We're going to improve our rotation wholeheartedly. We don't match up well to win a whole, to win a World Series. Or would you rather have him say, probably not going to win a World Series anyways if we don't land one of the aces. So we'll just uh, we'll do the Alex thing and we'll we'll sign we'll sign somebody uh, on the cheap or maybe just sign Sonny Gray and then we'll pass work this thing. That to me would would be the epitome of just merely trying to win the Central, and that would make me puke. Sonny Gray trading for some. Some guy that you could say, well, we squint and we think he could be a number two, but in reality is a four or five. Right. And then signing a bullpen arm or a swingman and saying, let's run it back. I mean, you're going to get what, what you what you put into it. So, I mean, that's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. We'll see what they do. I know like we can talk and speculate and all that stuff, but we won't know until they actually go out and do something yep. or until some other team does something. And then we see, okay, what's the trickle-down effect from this from this team signing this guy for this dollar amount? What's that going to look like for the Cardinals? We just have to wait, unfortunately. I wish they'd do something now because I want to I see what this team is going to look that's like. That's not baseball offseason. No, it's been <laughs> Got to wait for January. Slow, unfortunately, that's Alex Ferrario. That is Andrew Marsh and Anthony Stalter. It's the Fastline on 101 ESPN. Alex with us for the first hour today. Jamie Rivers uh, from 3 to 5. Dan McLaughlin expected in at about 4 o'clock or so, so Dan will be with us as well. We're, we're piecing this thing together here in the Fastlane with Jamie on the road. Tonight, you've got, of course, you have Blues and Sharks, but before that, you've got Ravens and Bengals. What are we about to about to learn about these two AFC North rivals? It's next on One Win ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills, so celebrate summer with a new Big Green Egg, Weber Gas, or Charcoal Grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
It's a fast line on 101 ESPN. Alex Ferrario filling in for the first hour today. Andrew Marsh here as well. I'm Anthony Stalter. So before the the Blues take on the Sharks tonight, there will be a kickoff between AFC North rivals, the Bengals and the Ravens. And for the first time, I think all year, I don't think there's been a decent Thursday night game outside of the Lions and Chiefs in week one. If you if you say real quiet, Stalt, you can yeah. hear Al Michaels celebrate right now. No kidding. He's finally got a game to watch. Finally. Or, or call. Don't need Jason Kelsey to help him out. No, no kidding. Uh, Bengals and Ravens tonight finally got a, a decent Thursday night football game since that, that week one Lions and Chiefs game. So the question is, what are we about to learn about the 7-3 and three Ravens and the 5-4 and four Bengals? And you could... You could go either route. If you want to talk about both teams, great, because I think I think it's open for discussion for both teams. If you want to just pick out one, that's fine too. But when I say, Alex, what are we about to learn about either or both of these teams? What comes to mind first? I think I'm I, I'm more willing to say I'm I'm gonna learn something about the Bengals than I am the Ravens. Okay. Because the Ravens, you want to see their defense go up against a really good offense that Cincinnati is supposed to have, although it's been up and down. But I already know Baltimore's defense is awesome. Like, I already know Baltimore's defense is going to be one of the main reasons that they could go on a deep playoff run. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Cincinnati's defense has been anything to write home about, saying like, oh, well, if Baltimore figures out how to go up against that, then they're going to go on a run. So, like, whatever happens with Baltimore, I'll know. But if Cincinnati can go out there and be consistent against this Baltimore team, find a way to shut down the offense that has shown signs of being really good, but more importantly, putting up significant playoff-like numbers against a capable defense that to me would say if Cincinnati can pull out a victory with offense performing against Baltimore I'm going to start believing them a lot more than I than I did when they lost to the Houston Texans I think a lot of people would probably fall into your camp Alex if I think we're about to find out more about Cincinnati and and that's understandably so you get a short week you're on the road you're coming off the loss of the Texans yeah I'm I'm almost looking at it the other side because I didn't have the Bengals making the playoffs this year. I thought it'd be, you know, after three years of of at least getting to the AFC title game, if not the Super Bowl, I I, I thought that they were going to take a step back this season. Not because they're not talented, not because they're not a good team, but you, you, it starts to catch up to you after a while. It's it's very difficult to have sustained success in the NFL. I think we're about to find out more about the Ravens. You gave that game away last week to the Browns. You have given, I've made this point several times this week, sorry for the redundance. You've given away all three of your losses. Yeah. All three of them. Can you protect the football? Can you clean up some of the mistakes that you have been making, some of the self-inflicted wounds? They have brought out the shotgun in all three of their losses and shot their own damn foot off. (laughs) Can you clean some of that stuff up? Because if you can against a Bengals team that will be in it, this is going to be a close game. It's it's a division it's a divisional matchup. Both teams know each other very well. You've have Joe Burrow on the other side. He's going to keep the Bengals in it. Jamar Chase is going to keep them in it. Joe Bitt and Joe Mixon's running the ball very well. Yeah. They're going to be in it. Can you avoid the mind numbing mistake in the fourth quarter against a, a quality opponent and win this game at home? Because if you can, I already think that this Ravens team is a Super Bowl contender. But not if. They're going to do some of the crap that we've seen them do against the Colts, the Steelers, and the Browns. And some of that is Lamar Jackson. I mean, the ball security. We talk a lot about Josh Allen and the turnovers that he's had this season. Lamar Jackson has just been 
as capable of those turnovers with mm-hmm. the fumbles that he's had. And I know that they've had other moments. Drop passes. Drop passes. But the offensive coordinator, like I was told going into that season that Todd Munkin was going to change that offense. It was going to make them as dominant, pass heavy. You were going to see a lot of playmakers with Flowers and OBJ and Mark Andrews. And I've seen it in certain games. But again, a lot of the offense has come from how good the defense has been. Not so much the offense being that high-powered team. Mm-hmm. That's been the part that... The beginning of the season, I was so skeptical of Baltimore, and I'm thinking, now this team's not it. Like, Lamar Jackson just doesn't seem like he's going to be able to do it. But then they had that that game against Detroit was like, oh, okay, they're good. But then you lay an egg. And I feel like I say this about every AFC team right now. Like, you're good for a couple of weeks, you're bad for a couple of weeks, and you won't prove who you really are. Yeah, and that's kind of the nature of the NFL. I think we have have to accept that to some degree. It's only certain teams that you look at and you say, okay, I know, like Miami, I know every single week you're going to put up a ton of points. Detroit, I know every single week you're going to keep the games as close as possible. But then there are those teams that you're talking about as the Super Bowl contenders you just don't know who they are. And I'm not sure either of these teams really prove who they are after this one. It feels like both of these teams have to wait until the end of the season to prove who they truly are. How do you see it, Marsh? I'm wondering if tonight will be a defensive battle. I know we think of these type of games to be high scoring because who the quarterbacks are sure. and the teams. If you look at primetime games this year, 30 of the 37 primetime games, the under the is under's hit. cashed. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm Including, wondering... It, it, it was... It was close on Monday night, but it, it cashed again. So I'm wondering if tonight we'll see a defensive battle between both teams. And in my opinion, maybe the Ravens have the upper edge when it comes to their defense. Yeah. I'm not too sure, but I think ball security, like you guys were talking about, will be what ultimately ends up being the deciding factor tonight. But again, I don't know if it really shows who these teams are because there is a lot of season left. Yeah. And we're I'm what we're a little over the midway point. It just feels like this division, and I know Cincinnati and Ball, like it just feels like this division is not going to be decided until week seventeen. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's I mean that's fair because every team is every team's kind of got their strengths and weaknesses in, yeah. the, in that division, and every and every team is good. You know, Cleveland obviously they got their problems offensively. The Bengals had had the Joe Burrow injury problem, but mm-hmm. I think that's that is exposed a little bit more now. They don't have T Higgins again tonight. The Steelers, defensively, excellent. Offensively, not there, but starting to run the ball better. And again, I think the Ravens, if they don't beat themselves, they think they're the best team in the division. The other thing with the Ravens, too, is, you know, is is Key, uh, Key, uh, Mitchell. I forget yeah, his first Keaton name. Mitchell? Uh, Keaton? Keaton Mitchell. He's, he's looked great. Mm-hmm. So they've got like four running backs. That none of them were supposed to be the main guy. Yeah, yeah. J.K. Dobbins (laughs) gets hurt again. They've got Gus Edwards. They've got Justin Sill. And now they've got Mitchell. Mitchell looks like a player. Can you run the ball effectively? See, I think when when I think of this offense, Lamar has played very well. Where I think he gets into trouble is when he tries to force the ball to frickin' Odell Beckham Jr. I thought he did that against Pittsburgh. That game was won. Pittsburgh had muffed the punt. Baltimore was set up. And he threw a lazy fade to Odell because I think he's trying to get Odell in a minute. Who cares? If Odell's not open, right. skip him. Zay Flowers is, is a, at this point in both of their careers. Zay Flowers is a better receiver. Mark Andrews is a is a matchup nightmare. You have more than enough weapons. You don't have to force feed it to Odell. Odell's going to be better when everybody falls asleep. That's when he's going to be. That's when he's going to be good. When everybody's concentrating on. Mark Andrews and Zay Flowers deep, and all of a sudden Odell is is open on a third and seven across the middle. That is, 
use him that way. Otherwise, you don't have to force feed him in this offense. I think you got you got more than enough, but they do need that that running game. Mark Andrews has been the the single most frustrating thing all season long because like you've got this this huge tight end that's the next guy you talk about tight ends in the game behind Travis Kelsey, mm-hmm. but you don't utilize him at all, specifically in the red zone. Yeah. Like that's a guy that you'd think in the red zone, this red zone offense should be one of the best, and it has not been. No. All right, it's the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Let's play hot take or hot garbage next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. So in a couple of minutes, we are going to play Hot Take or Hot Garbage. This is where you can send us a statement, sports or otherwise, to the Air Comfort Service tax line at 314-399-9646. Alex and I, Alex Ferrario, filling in for the first hour today. We'll discuss whether or not we think it's a hot take or hot garbage. So send in those hot take or hot garbage statements. Again, 314-399-9646. That's the Air Comfort Service text line. There is some breaking news from ESPN. Jim Harbaugh accepts the three-game suspension for Michigan in that sign-stealing scandal, and the Big Ten has officially closed its investigation. So there you have it. So he's going to be... I guess that last game would have counted, correct? Because he wasn't there. Yeah, that would have been his first one. Harbaugh was suspended last Friday. I'm reading this. The two sides are expected in court Friday in Michigan, but instead Harbaugh will serve out the remainder of the suspension, missing games against Maryland on Saturday and Ohio State on November 25th. So this was, yeah, let's just finish this so I could be available for the the important games. Which would be the playoffs if Michigan were to win out. If not, and the Big Ten Championship. And if they don't win out, they're they're not going to make the playoffs because they got one win right now against a a, a ranked opponent. That's Penn State last week. All right, Marshy. Let's do it. Hot take, hot garbage. This one's from Thanks Dad. He says, true or poo, that's not (laughs) the segment we're doing. But you get the show. But a great segment. Absolutely. Hot take or hot garbage, the Cardinals organization is more concerned with, or at least better at, getting butts in the seats with theme games, giveaways, and holiday ticket packages. I'm going to push back on this a little bit. I understand understand where where you're coming from. This is Thanks Dad. Yes. I understand where you're coming from. Thanks, Dad. I get it. And I almost walked down that line. I'm going to push back a little bit, though. If you didn't have a product that was worth showing up for, give, your, give <laughs> your yourself... Your don't matter. Give yourself credit, Cardinals fans. You would not show up for it. The product has been good. It hasn't been great. Although, 11 World Series championships uh, would, would suggest otherwise. But the product has been there, and that's why you have bought it. If the product ha- was has been like it was last year, you wouldn't show up. It doesn't matter how good the promotions are. Yeah, they're a profitable organization, but for the most part, they have given you a prof- uh, a product that you like. So I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say hot garbage. I don't know though. I mean, listen, Mo was the one that said like we can't do a lot. We got to be prudent with our money because we didn't have a lot of people in the seats last season. So there you go. Mm. Promos don't matter if you're not putting people out there. And frankly, if you cared about the off season stalls. You'd come up with your promotions after you make the signings. A Sunny Gray night, an Aaron Nola night, <laughs> mm. a Yamamoto night. But mm. yet we're worried about promos. 
It's hot garbage. That was all sarcastic. (laughs) (laughs) From the 314 hot take or hot garbage, Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn combined for a higher war than Paul Goldschmidt and Colin Arnato in 2024. All right. So let me spin this a little bit. If if Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn have higher wars than Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arnato. Is that a good thing or a bad thing for the Cardinals? I mean, I would say that's a great thing for the Cardinals because now you've got... I mean, I'm also considering that you're going to have, if Nolan Gorman's still on this team, that bat. Mm-hmm. That's a five-headed monster right there for you that you didn't anticipate if that war's that high. I would think it'd be a good thing, too, because Goldschmidt and Arnato, we kind of know what their floors are. Right. And their floors are pretty high. Yeah. So if we're talking about being on the upper, upper end of Mason Wynn and Jordan Walker's, like the word, we're talking about their ceiling then I think that would be a good thing. So I'll just say hot take because I kind of want to see it happen now. I'll say hot take too because I, I I could see it happening mostly because you're going to have a motivated Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt, but I think you're also going to have a motivated, even more motivated Mason Wynn and Jordan Walker, especially for how last year went. Defense improves for a Jordan Walker. I mean, the bat, you know it's going to provide you a decent war. And I mean, Mason Wynn's a guy that, he gets hotter as he goes and gets a little bit more comfortable. So by midseason, the defense is already going to be Gold Club esque. So I'll say I'll, I'll say hot take from the six three six hot take or hot garbage. The Edmonton Oilers are the biggest bleep show in pro sports right now. No, that's hot garbage. The A's exist, and now they're moving to Vegas. Las Vegas A's. Yeah, I'm going to say hot garbage because I mean San Jose's an even bigger bleep show than than Edmonton right now. They're just going about it the right way. I will say though, in terms of a a team that's trying to be competitive, if we were like categorizing this of of teams in pro sports that are trying to be competitive, they are the biggest hot piece of garbage because Fair. they don't know how to manage money, they don't know how to hand out money to the proper people, and they don't know how to fill positions that need to be filled. That's fair. It's a good point. From the 314, hot take or hot garbage, all four of the AFC North teams will make the playoffs. I got to say hot garbage on that, but it is, it's an, it, that, that <laughs> makes you think a little bit. It does. I, I like that text regardless of, you know, whether I say hot take or hot garbage. Because how would that work? It would be the, the first place teams in all of the other divisions. It would only be the Dolphins, the Jaguars, and the Chiefs. And then one other wildcard team, right? Or is it that everybody? It would have to be all three wildcard teams being the Steelers, Browns, oh, wow. and Bengals. So, I mean, it's not, you know what? I'm going to retract that. I'm going to say hot take I because too. I think that's a really, that's a really thought provoking conversation. So I'm going to, in, in our own way, in our old fast lane way, I'm going to, I'm going to say hot take to give, to give that texture credit because the bills, the bills look, I mean, the bills are backsliding. The Houston Texans, the only, only team where you could say, all right, I, they're intriguing but enough to if- throw a you know, wrench in the world. And even if they take over, I still think those AFC North teams are better than what Jacksonville is right now. And Jacksonville, Jacksonville, you would think would win the division still. The question is, do the Raiders, Raiders, Chargers, or Broncos get in the wild card mix? And I say no. So I think that's a really strong take. <laughs> From a 314 hot take or hot garbage, Baruby is on the hot seat if this team misses the postseason. By the way, this texture also says, I say hot garbage. So they say hot garbage to their own hot take. It's, it's well, absolutely. I agree with that, then. It's hot garbage. Yeah. There's hot no garbage. way, shape, or form that this guy's job is on the hot seat after the way that they've started this one off.
if anything, it's proved to you that he can get the best out of this team. If it falters and you become a team that misses the playoffs, I look more at the players than the coach. Yeah, and I think they're going to make the playoffs anyways. I do too. So I'm going to say hot garbage based on that alone. From the 314 hot take or hot garbage, the cards sign a number one, a number five, which could be a slash starter, um, you know, relief pitcher. Uh, trade for number two and add two bullpen pieces on top of signing Goldie and Walker by the end of spring training. I'm going to say hot garbage on that because that is what I mean. There's not enough money for that. Well, that you're talking about a team being very active. When was the last time they were that active in an offseason? I mean, uh, that holy Walt smokes. Walt was involved. I mean, this is the same team that kind of touted a year ago. Well, you know, we, we, we did a lot. Yeah, you did the bare minimum. You you signed the the one player you absolutely needed a catcher, so you signed him, and then you took care of your arbitration cases. And they extended the Wayno. You got one more year for him. Wayno told him he was going to pitch again, so they just got the deal done. That was <laughs> a formality. Like they did, they've done, but they had to defer next the to money. nothing the last two years. They had to defer the money and do the math with Alex, it. That's a lot of work. Yeah, they're you really active at the trade deadline, right Anthony. Yeah, they were. Very active. They had to be. They stunk. And they oh, were no, two years ago. They got they got their they got their starter in Jordan Montgomery. Yeah. And don't you remember that he they pitched really well this year? They were involved. Yeah, the Rangers. That's right. In a ton of free agent conversations with pitchers. None of them just wanted to come to St. Louis. I love so that. they were very busy. They were involved. Every team is involved. Yeah, that's hot garbage because you're not signing a number one and then trading for a number two. If anything, they're trading for the number one and signing the number two. Do they remind you of like the kid who is in class? It's a group project, and they're kind of just there. Like, they're doing stuff, but they're doing nothing at the same time. Yeah, eyewash. They're eyewash. I, I view... Uh, so that's an interesting comparison. But spot on. <laughs> the, the analogy I was thinking of is the, is, is the person that walks around the gym, and they look busy as hell. Yeah. But when you really watch them... They're just kind of like lifting weights up and then just re-racking it or like stretching out but not really doing anything. That's the Cardinals. They're going to the gym. Maybe they go to one of the machines. Real light. Couple of tricep extensions. Couple yeah, of bicep. Up. And that's it. But they're walking around the gym. You see them a lot. That's they're doing nothing though. Funny you bring that up. That actually, there's a person at the gym that I go to where I noticed that. And so I was like, I'm actually going to take a second and just kind of look and see what they're doing. That's yeah. exactly what yeah. they were doing. It's just I'm I like, Why come? Right. They're What's probably the trying to check out chicks or something. They're doing they're they're there for a reason. Yeah. But it's mostly eyewash. That's the Cardinals in the, in, in the offseason. <laughs> the Cardinals what, absolutely. What this texture just described? Yeah. Was was the person that is like they they have their full workout routine. Mm-hmm. And then they go to the side room and they do yeah. a whole bunch of other acts like, you know, plyometrics and stuff like that. Then go to the next and stretch out. And like they're there for four hours and it's a complete workout. That's what that texture just described. There's no way the Cardinals are doing that. Who's the who's the team that uh, is taking videos of themselves and posting it on social media? What team is that? Oh, in Major man, League that's Baseball? a great question. Oh. That is a great question. That seems like I a want to Phillies that's a Mets. That. that seems like uh, the Mets would be Mets. a good one. Seems like a Phillies thing too. Or the mm. Phillies might be the guy that's just lifting five thousand pounds once and says we're good. And walk mm-hmm. away after that. Um, Dodgers? I think the Mets. Uh, <laughs> Padres. Oh yeah. 
Might be the Cubs right now. The Padres are, are the Padres are the guy at the gym that's got that they're wearing the the, the like the gold, the gold no the gold watch. I never mm. understand. Like these guys are wearing the gold watches oh, yeah. to work out. I don't know. I don't get it. I mean, they're they're decked out. They got the they got the gold watch on. Those are the guys that wear jeans too to the no gym? oh no 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 those no, are they, the psychopaths. They, they, they've got they've got like you know the uh, the the, the most up to date oh, freaking yeah. workout gear. Oh yeah, like the I tight, out, uh, the capri pants, the tight capri pants. Yeah. Yes, the, the, the shoes are socks, yeah, the shoes the socks, the but shoes like the, are spotless. Oh yeah, the white. sweats don't actually go down to no. their shoe. I'm no white bar- Air Force ones. By the way, I'm not judging. I'm no bargain. I look like a homeless guy when I go go Same. to the gym. Oh, sure. I mean, I got, I got. In fact, I worked out today. I got the, I got the. Uh, holes in my sweatpants, yeah. right? I'm wearing the same shirt. I stink. Like I, hey, I'm, you're getting it done though at the MAC. Yeah, you're there. I am getting it done at the MAC. That's my MAC. That's right. Alex, good seeing you, man. You too, Thank guys. You. Thanks for having me. Alex, in for uh, the first hour today. We appreciate the first fast hour, man. Had a lot of fun. So here's how it's going to go programming wise for the next three hours. We have Jamie coming in at 3.30. And actually, he's not coming in. He's going to be on the road as the Blues are taking on the Sharks tonight. He's going to be on Valley Sports Midwest. Jamie will be here. Uh, uh, Jamie will be on at 3.30. We're supposed to have curbs at 3.15, so hopefully we'll talk a little blues hockey at 3.15. Dan McLaughlin's going to be with us from 4 to 5. Jamie's going to be in from 3.30 to 5. If you're like, I don't know what you just said, don't don't, don't worry about it. That's for us to worry about, not you. Uh, just know that you can listen to Alex Ferrario tonight pregame at 8.30 for the Blues and Sharks right here on the home of the Blues, 101 ESPN. All right, cards. Marsh brought up a, an interesting question. The Cardinals and the Ace. We'll tell you what that is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Our thanks to Alex Ferrario filled in for the first hour of the show. Marsh and I got you covered until Jamie Rivers stops by at 3.30 on the road as the Blues take on uh, the Sharks. And we will talk plenty of Blues this hour with Chris Kerber and with Jamie Rivers. But want to dive back into the Cardinals. And Marsh, I want to let you set this up because I thought that this was a really interesting question slash take that you had on the Cardinals and whether or not they're truly in on an ace if they go for it. Yeah, if they're unwilling to outbid a team for an ace, just makes me wonder if they're really in to begin with. I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe they are, but I mean, it, it just came to my mind. And I mean, you I, use the word prudent. Yeah. Like they could say these things and then really, like, eh, we weren't really in on them. But we'll say, hey, like we, we threw them an offer. They said no. They raised the price, and we're right. like, ah, eh, we don't feel like doing it. Well, you you knew that they weren't going to be at that price. Right. So were you really in on it? I think you nailed it. And it goes back to our eyewash statements from the previous segment. Yeah. Sticking with the gym analogy, it's the guy that throws you know two plates on each side to do the bench, mm-hmm. jumps on the bench, does the whole. You know, look, acting like he's about to throw it up and says, nah, don't have it today. And then takes off the weight and pops on a couple of 25s, which is fine, right? Mm-hmm. It's fine. You got to build up. 
Yeah, just more reps. But you knew you weren't gonna you knew you weren't gonna bench two twenty five. Right. Why even throw the weights on? Why act like you're gonna do it? It's eyewash. You mm-hmm. want to make people think that you're in on an ace. But Marsh, I think you're you're I think you nailed it here. If you're truly not willing to get uncomfortable, are you truly in on an ace then? Mm-hmm. And maybe Mo is telling us without telling us with his whole prudent com- uh, conversation or remarks that the Cardinals will not be in on an ace. They will not, with the with the realistic understanding that they have three spots in the rotation to fill at minimum, as well as addressing the bullpen, that they won't have enough wiggle room to get uncomfortable for Blake Snell, Yamamoto, or Nola, and they know that they're going to have to spread out that money because they are trying to build a team. And as much as people don't want to hear that because all they want to hear is us say, well, if you don't have an ace, you're not you're not going to win anything. Mm-hmm. That might just be the most realistic approach to the offseason. We are, we are going to have to spread out our budget. We're going to have to build a rotation that's going to compete. And then we're going to have to continue to, to build an ace, to grow an ace. I want the Cardinals to have the next Spencer Strider, mm-hmm. not the next Aaron Nola. We love both, but you, you have to grow those aces. Just like they did, quite frankly, with Sandy Alcantara and Zach Gallen. Mm-hmm. They obviously didn't, didn't hold on to those guys. I wish that they would just come out and say it, though. Like, just say, hey, you know what? Getting an ace this offseason probably isn't in our budget range if we want to make this team an overall better ball club going into next season. Financially, when we, we have other needs that we need to fill, such as the bullpen, you know, maybe we need some to move some position players around. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work financially for us moving forward to go spend money on one of these aces. Okay, but be honest. What would you say if they said that? I would if they, not. If they I mean, talked I, about the budget, they talked about sure. money. No, I, and a lot spending. of people probably wouldn't like it at first. But if they were smart in the the deals that they made, ended up making this a better ball club mm. overall. Then yeah, I think people would would respect it. I think people just want to hear something. They want to. We talked about the communication. The communication. They just want to know what what direction is this team going in. Yeah, I think they want to hear emotion. For sure, that's what I think. And I, I guess I didn't realize that until you and I just started talking here. I think what Cardinals fans, if and, and hey, listen, correct me if I'm wrong, 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. You can always leave us a mic drop uh, via the 100% free 101 ESPN app, or you could check us out on the Air Alliance team YouTube channel. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think what you want to hear as a Cardinals fan is some emotion. Because that's how you feel. You feel ticked off. You feel let down. You feel disappointed. You feel frustrated. And it's not because the Cardinals missed the playoffs. It's because the Cardinals missed the playoffs and they've been doing Nothing. the bare minimum for the last couple of years. You have watched the Phillies do what they do. You have watched, and if it's not the Phillies spending a bunch of money, you have watched the Braves do a combination of the two or the Dodgers do a combination of the two where they have young homegrown talent and they've made the bold moves that have put them over the top you've watched these teams do that or you've watched the houston astros completely grow their farm system uh not now but it used to be one of the best in baseball 
You've watched other teams do it, so now you're ticked. We got a text from the 636. We'd like to hear the truth for starters. Mo is wishy-washy on everything and never says what he means. I think Mo is, is, and this is my opinion, I think Mo is highly skilled at saying what he means without telling you. You kind of have mm-hmm. to read between the lines with him. That's just my opinion on it. Mm-hmm. I think what, what St. Louis, knowing this market and knowing knowing the fan base, I think this 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 fan base wants to hear what Doug Armstrong does at times. For sure. We and talked about f- that yesterday. Yeah. Show some of that emotion. Say, it. this is not acceptable. That's, I think, what fans want to hear. Mm-hmm. That's not Mo. And I don't think it's going to be Mo. I think he says we're disappointed too without saying it. But I think that fans want to know that their front office is as disappointed and frustrated and fed up mm-hmm. as as they are. I agree. I mean, we, we've heard bits and pieces of that. Like, you know, we're not all too pleased with, with how this season went. But it, I think it, it, it boils down to the tone. Yeah. The tone and the in the message that they're giving off to the fan base. And I'm not sure if the fans have received that as well um, as the front office would like. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, me personally, I'd like to see them go out and, and make this a, a better ball club by spending some money. That's just my personal opinion. Others feel that way as well. I don't think they'll do that. But they have to be smart in how they build this team. And if they can build this team smart and stay within their budget, I will I will respect that because they're they're trying to make this a better ball club. I just wish they would be a little bit more communicative about that. That's Andrew Marsh from Anthony Stalter. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're scheduled to be joined by Chris Kerber. The, those guys are traveling and they're 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 meeting with coaches and players and things like that. So if we don't hear from Curbs, we'll adjust to something else. But uh, hopefully, we get a chance to talk to the play-by-play man of your St. Louis Blues next in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. At some point, we may be joined by Chris Kerber from San Jose as the Blues and Sharks get ready to go at it tonight. Still the SAP Center, SAP Center, whatever they're calling it. I think so. The old Shark Tank out there. But if we don't hear from Kerbs, no problem. We will have Jamie Rivers at the bottom of the hour, and he'll be with us until 5 o'clock. Dan McLaughlin will be in at 4. So plenty of Blues coverage coming up here on 101 ESPN. But Marsh, let's save the Blues coverage here for a second. I think that we could be on the verge of chaos in college football. Mm. I think this is the week where we might see some of the upsets that we haven't that we haven't seen in about a month. Because our college football playoff is not, the, at least from a team standpoint, maybe not a ranking standpoint, but from the, the four teams, we have not seen different teams. It has been some combination of Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and Florida State, and then Washington and Oregon. But this weekend, I think we're on the verge of chaos. I could see Washington losing its first game. Washington is in Corvallis to take on number 11, Oregon State. Mm-hmm. 
It's not the easiest spot to play. And if you look at Washington of late, they have been getting by with their average performances. 35-28 against Utah in a game that was very close. And Utah's a good team, but Utah should not hang 28 on you. Utah's not great offensively. They're better defensively. So Washington, had, had they fought tooth and nail in that one. USC, that game was back and forth, as we know, but USC put 42 on them. Stanford put 33. Stanford stinks this year. They put 33, and Arizona State should have beat them. Quite frankly, Oregon should have beat them. Washington defensively, that's going to be their their defense is going to be their undoing, and I think it could happen this weekend in Corvallis. In fact, I've I've said it, so I won't I won't shy away from it. I think Washington falls. That opens up the door for Oregon to be in a perfect spot to win the Pac-12, win the Pac-12 championship, and get into the dance, get into the top four. Michigan, I don't think they lose to Maryland. I think that Michigan-Ohio State game is going to determine which Big Ten team makes it in the playoffs, but it's not going to be two. It's only going to be one. All right, we'll pause the college football conversation because we're joined right now via our 101 ESPN celebrity line by the one and only play-by-play man, uh, Chris Kerber. Bring out the Zamboni! It's time for Curbside with the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber, brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi electric elite contractor. Curbs, I asked Marsh this. Do they still call it the SAP Center or the SAP Center or whatever the hell they're calling it out in San Jose? Yes. Okay. They still call it the SAP Center. I had to I had to go online and double-check it. I put the name of the arena in my scorebook, and I had to go online. I'm like, some of these, like I was filling a couple out earlier on the plane yesterday, a couple games ahead, and I'm like, okay, the Staples Center, was that jobbing.com? Now it's crypto. What the hell is the name of this building? Oh, man. So, it, yeah, it's still it, the SAP Center out here. Yeah, they're, they're, it's all of these name changes. It doesn't matter. Hey, Curves, I want to start here. Instead of the Blues to start off with, I actually want to ask you, we got, we got hockey right now. The Senators opened up a 3 nothing lead over the Red Wings in the first period. The game is now tied 4-4 in the, uh, the third, third period just started. This is in Stockholm, Sweden. Do you like the NHL expanding to this NHL Global Series? Do you think it's beneficial? Oh, I I think it's terrifically beneficial. You know, next to soccer, it's the most most international sport. So, you know, the Blues were fortunate enough to play in the Global Series back in 2009, and we opened up the season over there with two games against the Detroit Red Wings. It was fantastic. So I am all for this, and and I hope the St. Louis Blues get a chance to participate and do it – and do it again soon. Curbs, we, uh, we, we've we seen the Blues compete in some shootouts this year, and we were just talking about the NHL evolving. What are your thoughts on the proposed NHL overtime rules? Okay, I haven't seen those, so fill me in. So not able to take the puck back towards the red line and just sort of keeping the game um, from essentially – slowly going throughout overtime and you know maybe even making the the minutes longer making it a seven minute period instead of five trying to trying to just entice trying, offense yeah, as opposed trying to entice to, offense yeah as opposed to teams okay, so, keeping the puck and tiring out the opponent right okay so the uh to get to that point the history of this is is actually kind of important so the league wanted to get rid of ties which has been a good thing and and guys i've done the research on this i've gone back for like 10 15 years and 
the difference between shootout wins, shootout losses, ties, that kind of stuff in the standings, it, it maybe impacts one team a year being in the playoffs versus being out. Much larger impact in terms of where you finish, one through eight. But in terms of whether you're a playoff team or out, it's one team a year on average, maybe two. So from from that standpoint, the changes to, to how they've done it in the shootout for the excitement of the fans compared to the, the, the impactfulness on the standings, uh, much better for the fans on the marketing side of it. So what they did is they, they said, okay, we're going to go to the, the you know, overtime. They made it four and four. Now they're, they're going to make it three on three. They had too many games going to a shootout. Okay, so they decide, okay, we want to cut down on shootouts. We want more games ending. So that's why they went to the three-on-three. Now what's happening is the way teams are playing this three-on-three and the way teams are playing this, they are. They're getting it, and they're dragging it around. They're moving it out of the zone, and they're doing things like that to try and keep possession. And then, because remember, you switch sides, right? So you've got the long change during overtime. So you're trying to wear them down a little bit and then create that opportunity. Some of these three-on-three overtime sessions have become boring. And that's not good for anybody. And, and so they still, they've done a good job reducing the number of shootouts. They're pretty happy with that. Uh, but, and, and so that's getting more games ending in overtime. But now this trend is happening. I am 100%, 100% for any kind of rule change that says once you enter the zone, you cannot stick handle the puck out of the zone in overtime, or you can't at least stick handle back beyond the red line. Uh, things like that where, where teams, it's almost sort of like they've, they've adopted a Lou Lamorello, New Jersey Devils trap system to overtime and just slowing things down and making things kind of boring. So I'm a thousand percent for anything like that, that uh, forces team to play on the front foot, uh, you know, and, and, and on their toes in overtime. Chris Kerber, voice of the Blues, uh, right here on 101 ESPN, your home of the Blues, the Blues Radio Network. You'll hear him tonight, play by play, as well as the pregame, the postgame. 8.30 is the pregame. Curbs, I was listening to you. I think you were on the opening drive a couple of days ago, and you said that Jordan Bennington uh, is the key to the season. I thought you brought up great points, and for those that didn't hear why you thought that, can you explain them? Well, you know, when you have a team in transition or even a team that's in a rebuild, the one thing that could speed that whole process up is, is a really good goaltender because they're going to make more saves than you expected. They're going to make more saves on, you know, on – on shots that, that might normally go in, and they can control the momentum. So if you go back to the Colorado game just a couple of games ago, the Blues got the early lead, and then that push came from Colorado, and the Avs were hungry. They were 2-4 and four in their previous six games after starting the season 6-0. and oh. Well, Jordan Bennington shut them down in that first period and allowed the Blues to get out of the first period one nothing. And then in the second period, the Blues got some traction, and they extended the lead. We saw that happen in the last game as well for St. Louis. So your, your goaltender could make that big of a difference, obviously. And and what Jordan Bennington has done this year, for example, is just given the St. Louis Blues, with his play, a chance to find their game. They were very defensive structured. When the offense wasn't going the first eight or nine games, Jordan Bennington kept the team in there and a chance to win some of those games, and they did. And now the offense is going a little bit, and they've climbed to three games over five hundred because of it. So, you know, there's that old joke that sometimes, you know, people should call the game of hockey goalie, and there's some truth to that. But, you know, you, Jordan Bennington, to me, really is the, the key to this season because he's, his play gives the defense and, and gives the defense the, the confidence to jump up. They know they're going to make the saves, and it just allows you to be more aggressive. You play more aggressive. You play Craig Ruby style, yada, yada. It just goes down the line. And so, to me, the whole season for the Blues this year starts with what's happening in goal. 
Curbs, you mentioned the offense. The Blues did not get a power play opportunity against the Lightning, but they did capitalize on the power play against the Avalanche. The Sharks had the second-worst penalty kill in the league. What are you expecting to see from the power play tonight? Well, I don't know if we're going to see a power play. The, the, the crazy thing is in two of the last five games, the Blues have gone without a power play. And that's after going and including the playoffs, something like 140 games uh, without seeing that happen. Uh, I, the Blues power play is, is gaining some confidence. Uh, it was a huge day game in Colorado. Would have loved to have seen had they had some opportunities in their last game, but uh, we'll see how that goes tonight. The thing is, guys, is sometimes if you take that stuff for granted, it can it can catch it. Like if like if you go in and you say, okay, this, this team's penalty kill is no good, and you don't go in with the real attack mentality and the same sharpness that you'd have to play against the Tampa Bay penalty kill, which was, you know, top six in the league, you're, you're going to – all of a sudden, there's still NHL players on the other side. They can make you look foolish, and you, you can go over three if that's the case. So um, I hope to see the same kind of crispness, sharpness, and, and then hopefully you beat up on a team that's not playing well to, to grow that confidence there. But – to do that, you're going to have to get into the offensive zone. You're going to have to get your forecheck going. You're going to have to make sure that you're really forcing San Jose into situations where they take some penalties, and then you'll start getting some of those power plays. Curbs, good stuff. We know that uh, you're kind of in scramble mode. We want to make sure that you're set up for tonight's game against the Sharks. So we appreciate you joining us. Have a great call. We'll be listening. All right, guys. Have an awesome weekend. Talk you to you next week. Thanks. That's Chris yep. Gerber here in the Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers will join us live from San Jose. We'll get back into this these uh, these same blues next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fastlane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. Our guy Jamie Rivers live from his hotel room in San Jose. What's up, Jamie? Not much, buddy. Not much. Miss you guys. I mean, you know, you guys are doing all this stuff on your own, and, and you're just growing up so fast. God, so proud of you guys. Well, we're uh, we're certainly uh, – well, Marsh is wiser for it, that's for sure. Uh, me <laughs> – just not going to happen. It's fine. Uh, Jamie, we didn't get a chance to talk to you yesterday following the win over the Lightning. Uh, I'll give you my two cents on it. I-, I thought that Jordan Bennington once again stole the show in the first 10 minutes. Actually, I thought both goaltenders played very well because Johansson played well too. He came up with a couple of robs of, of some blues quality shots in that in that first period. But I thought a little sloppy early on with the puck, and then things just went uh, – off the charts in a in a in a great way. I thought Tory Krug had his best game. I thought that uh, Colton Pareko once again played incredibly well. Bennington certainly outstanding. I love to see the one timer from Verana. I thought it was a complete effort following about the first fifteen minutes of that game. But what did you see? Yeah, so I I see it very close to the way you see it. Um, I thought the Blues had a good push initially to start the game. They got a couple of good four checks in early. And then the Lightning, you could really see their speed and their skill kick in. And, you know, they were transitioning the puck really smooth, very quickly. And automatically it got the Blues on their heels a little bit. And, yes, Jordan Bennington, it's great to have a cheat code that you can just kind of apply whenever needed throughout the game. And it's not like Jordan Bennington was called upon to make miraculous saves the entire game. 
But what he's been able to do recently against Tampa and then specifically against the Avalanche the game before is when you've needed him the most, he's been able to provide saves and make sure that he nullifies the opposition's scoring opportunities and kind of kills their momentum at the same time. And that's what I saw against the Lightning. And then it's amazing to watch this group right now because the confidence is just ever growing. Mm-hmm. And when you look at guys like Colton Pareko, there's so many, but let's just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and do, do this in an order, some kind of an order. But Colton Pareko, he's been one of the top five best defensemen in the NHL this year. If you look at the, the impact he has on a game, He's right there with some of the big dogs. And does he stay there? I don't know, to be determined. But what a difference it makes to have a healthy Colton Pareko, for that matter. People seem to forget that, you know, just because the media or the player or the team doesn't talk about something doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Yeah. And Colton Pareko was an injured guy for most of last season. And and it affected him in, in lots of ways. But watching him just close out plays in the defensive zone and then jumping up into the attack on a regular basis. And boy, how about the silky soft mitts on Colton Pareko Mm -hmm. pulling that thing from backhand to forehand, tucked it up underneath the bar. Like that's a goal scorer's goal. And that's, you know, that's a six foot six Neanderthal that just made that play. I feel like I was so impressed with Colton Pareko. That's kind of like a Shen, Uh, a Shen play. Oh yeah, I've seen Shen do that, where he will he'll get the puck out wide, and then to in order to change the the shot for uh, the goaltender, different given a different look, he pulls it he pulls his hands in tighter and then shoots it. That's what it reminded me of a little bit. Yeah, I agree. It was a goal scorer's goal, which it's not that Colton Pareko isn't capable. It's just that we don't see it very often in that way. So I thought he was a monster again. I thought Tory Krug was fantastic. I mean, this is a guy, it's amazing to look at something like this, where in the offseason, you know, we understand the, the whole trade, no trade, whatever happened there. Tory Krug wanted to be a St. Louis Blue. And in talking to Tory Krug, like, and I get it, man, he wanted to be part of the solution. Yeah. He didn't want to be part of the problem to where you trade Tory Krug and you feel like you're a better team. Mm-hmm. As a competitive individual like he is, he wanted to be your in the, the scenario of you're a better team because you have Tory Krug. Right. And that's what he's been trying to do from day one here this year is, one, apply himself defensively. Because he's a veteran. He knows what the narrative is surrounding him, is that he's undersized and he's strictly a puck-moving guy, liability defensively. Right. Well, he's flipped that on its head so far this season. Started out with very few points and was very solid defensively. And now he's been able to add some offense. And how about those passes the other night against Tampa? They're in, they're like, sensational. It's so awesome to watch that when you got a guy who's going tape to tape to Jordan Cairo when he's in motion, there's nobody catching Cairo at mm-hmm. that point. And Cairo finishes, which he hasn't been able to do a lot lately, although two times the last game. He robbed nice again. Of course. Yeah. Of course. And then um, then the no-looker to Jacob Verana. Mm-hmm. A couple things on that play. One, that was an all-world one-timer by Jacob Verana. And it just shows you to, you know what physical abilities he has. But Tory Krug giving the old you know, Magic Johnson look away on that one and firing it straight through into the wheelhouse. 
I just think you see a group of guys right now that are playing with a really good amount of confidence and they're playing for each other, which is awesome. And that's and that's what the message has been. I heard you talking to Bennington. Uh, by the way, I love the I love the Magic Johnson reference too during the game. That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Bennington quotes to you. He said it again in the locker room afterwards, the buy-in, which echoes what Chief has been saying. Everybody is on the same page. They're saying the same things. They're saying the same messages. So that comes from your leadership with Barubi and having it trickle down to your leadership, not just with your captain and Brady and Shen, but your leadership and like Jordan Bennington, saying the same thing. They're saying the same message and they're seeing the results. I had made the analogy, Jamie, about you starting to work out again and then you pouring in all that work and you, you feel like you're not seeing the results. And three months later, you, you go, whoa, catch yourself in the mirror. Maybe you, maybe you put more weight on and it's, it's, a, it's a lot easier. And you say, oh, this is why I've been doing it. That's, that's what we're seeing with the Blues now. It's like, oh, this is why we needed to buy into the system. We're seeing the results. So it's been, I think it's been outstanding. Yeah. What's been good too, Anthony, is, you know, remember the first handful of games, people are like, oh man, this defensive system, it's going to be, it's compromising their offensive creativity and all this stuff. Right. You know, I kept saying to you and to anybody who would listen, like, just give it time. They will figure out how to turn offense out of their defense. And they have now, you know, you see a team that's very aggressive at every line on the ice, yep. meaning, you know, far blue line, they're holding the zone as long as they possibly can. If they give up the blue line, then the forwards and the D are doing a good job of trying to cut off the play before center ice. And then at the blue lines, the blues defensemen have been uber aggressive. Mm-hmm. And all that's done is create turnovers and allowed your hockey club to turn and burn offensively. And that's what they've been able to do. So the defensive-minded systems that everybody gets so focused on, it's actually the quickest way to get the puck back so you can play offense. And now these guys are starting to figure that out, and there's a certain confidence to their game. Absolutely. That's Jamie Rivers. He'll be on the Bally Sports Midwest broadcast tonight as the Blues take on the Sharks. We'll, of course, have the game coverage for you as well here on 101 ESPN pregame starting at 8.30. With Jamie on the road and not available tomorrow, we're going to do our NFL Pick'em Picks next in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Get ready to pick them. It's the Fast Lane Football Pick'em Challenge on 101 ESPN. Refreshed by Bud Light. Well, you sure know how to pick them. Tonight we've got Ravens and Bengals 7:15, and if you're out and about, King Scott and I are going to be at the Cybergs in Maryland Heights tonight. So we're going to be checking out some Thursday night football, a little Blues hockey as well as the Blues take on the Sharks. So King Scott, 105.7 The Point, the Rizzuto Show, and me, Anthony Stalter. Cybergs six to eight out in Maryland Heights. Was, uh, that Rizzuto show is in a lot of trouble, boys. A lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. As we have extended our lead. Yeah, they are. Seven. Two and one we are in the NFL Pick'em Challenge. So they got a lot of work to do. 
I'm on the Ravens tonight, boys. Lamar Jackson is 7-1 and one against the Bengals in his career. I think it'll be a somewhat close game, but if the Ravens don't shoot themselves in the foot like they have been, I think they're going to take care of business tonight. They got the better overall defense. Little concern about their offensive line. It's a little banged up, uh, but with Lamar's uh, mobility, that shouldn't be too much of a problem. Plus, short week. Short week. You know the opponent very well. You're the home team. I got the Ravens winning tonight. What about you guys? I've got the Ravens as well. I mean, the Bengals, to me, they were they were making a charge, whatnot. Obviously lost some momentum last week with the loss to the Texans. And I, I just don't see them beating the Ravens. The Ravens beat themselves last week. They're going to be pretty ticked off. They're going to want a little bit of a, uh, a redo on that. And I just think it's Ravens tonight. I'm also on the Ravens. I can't see them losing two games in a row. Plus, they're at home. Is T. Higgins playing tonight? I don't no, think he is, so not. I'm going to go with the Ravens. Guys, what is your blowout special this week in the NFL? The team <laughs> that you think is going to win by double digits. This one's easy. You taking your Hear Lions? Me roar. I was about to say, you Hear taking your Lions? Roar. Lions over the Bears. It's going to be a bloodbath. Justin Fields expected to play in that one. Not saying that. <sighs> I'm just throwing, I'm just even more so. noting noting that he's going to play or he should play. Uh, yeah. All right, Marsh. What's answer. yours? Uh, has to be my least favorite team that I think is going to still win the NFC in the regular season, of course. The Dallas Cowboys over the Carolina Panthers. It's probably a good one, oh, yeah. too. Yeah. That's a good one. I think that the Bills are going to take out their frustrations on the Jets. The Jets have not won a road divisional game, I think, since Wait, 2012. They beat them already this year? They did. They beat them Monday night. It was the Aaron Rodgers game. <laughs> The Aaron Rodgers <laughs> two snaps game. But jo- they, they don't have a touchdown. The Jets don't have an offensive touchdown in the last two games. I don't see them going into Buffalo and and winning. And I think this is this is a game where the Bills kind of flex a little bit and they get back on track and they win by double digits. They're a seven-point favorite, but I think they win by double digits. Your upset special, Jamie. Ooh, give me a minute on this one. Your upset you special, Marshy. If I'm not mistaken, I think the Broncos have the uh, are the um, the favor the favored team to win against Minnesota. The Broncos are the favorite. Yes. So I'm going with my Minnesota Vikings on Sunday Night Football. All right, Vikings are two and a half point underdog. No surprise there for Marsh. I could I could definitely see that. Jamie, did you just spot one? Yeah, the Vikings one was the, that popped up. But then also, I'm trying to find out the line on the Eagles-Chiefs game. Who's the favorite on that? Chiefs are favored by two and a half on Monday night. Yeah. Oh, just be, uh, I can't. I took the Chiefs in that game. So, yeah, I'll go, I'm with Marshy on this. I think the Vikings, to me, look like the only team that could have the old upset special. This wouldn't be much of an upset at all, but technically they are an underdog. I like the Rams over the Seahawks. The Rams have given Seattle a lot of issues. Rams entering, they're riding a third, uh, a three-game losing streak. But Matthew Stafford, practice yesterday, is expected to play. I think that they're going to continue to give Seattle some some trouble. I mean, Seattle, because Geno Smith isn't playing well, Seattle's in a lot of games. They they probably shouldn't be based on the opponent. And the Rams aren't terrible. Plus, they took them, they took it to Seattle in the first game in Seattle. So I got the Rams in a small upset. All right, we'll what go about up. the Steelers Browns? The the Browns are they're the Browns are the favorite, I believe. Yeah, the Brown the Browns are one and a half point favorite despite starting their their backup in Yeah. Uh, 
I would. I think for me, the second choice would be Steelers for the upset there. I I can't see the Browns winning that game. Yeah, the only thing with the Browns is their their freaking defense. Yeah, I mean they they may shut Kenny Pickett out. Young quarterback though. Yeah, that's going to be the problem. That the the over under in that game is thirty two and a half. That is that is one of the lowest NFL totals you'll ever see. Like that, you're 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 knocking on the uh, the door of like an Iowa total in in college football. The Iowa totals now are like 28 and a half. It's ridiculous. Okay, we'll fly through these. Texans, Cardinals. I got the Texans, despite Kyler Murray looking good last week. Texans. I also have the Texans. I got the Dolphins over the Raiders. Correct. Yes. As of right now, I got the Chargers over the Packers, but something something doesn't feel right with that game. I feel like a lot of people are going to line up and take the Chargers in that. I wouldn't be shocked if Green Bay pulls off the upset. But I, for now, I got the Chargers. Yeah, no chance there's an upset. Chargers win that and one. And because you said that, now I'm mm. starting to think. I'm with Jamie. I'm with Jamie. Oh, no chance. Don't say, don't say that, guys. Anthony, gonna, that Green Bay not team a chance is awful. They're terrible. They're absolutely terrible. But the Chargers are one of those teams where it's like, we all want to believe, and then we hop on the bandwagon, and then Brandon Staley pushes the damn thing off the, off the cliff. Chargers aren't that good. They're traveling. Probably take Green Bay. I got the Jaguars over the Titans. Uh, yes, correct. I also have the Jags. For now, I got the Steelers over the Browns. I'm a little shocked that the Browns are favored with the quarterback. You know, but it's not like Deshaun Watson has been playing playing well. But I got the Steelers beating the Browns. I have the Steelers as well. Usually, these two teams split, and I believe the Browns won the first week. Or was that the, the Steelers? The Browns played the Bengals in week one. No, um, no, no, not the first week, but the first, the first game, matchup. Yeah, there was a Monday night game in Pittsburgh. Browns came out with the victory in that no, one? No, the Steelers won. Steelers did. Okay, so yes. I might have to flip was, my pick then. That was the the infamous Nick Chubb game. Yes, okay. So I have the Steelers right now, but because these teams usually split, I might lean towards the Browns. We'll see. Uh-oh, I nice. usually say something, and then I, and then I forget to, <laughs> to actually make the but switch. For now, you're, you're the but Steelers. for now, I'm the Steelers. All right. Uh, everybody got the Cowboys over the Panthers. Absolutely. Everybody got the Lions over the Bears. Mm-hmm. Yes. Everybody got the Commanders over the Giants. Yes. Yes. Everybody had, everybody have the 49ers over the Bucks. Yes. All right. My, yeah. I, my upset was the Rams over the Seahawks. What about you guys? Rams, Seahawks. I've got the Seahawks. I have the Seahawks too, but I don't know. I, I you make a great point, Anthony. I might end up flipping that one too. So, oh, don't listen to him. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair. I need the Seahawks to lose. So, the, so the Rams, Marsh, the Rams beat them thirty to thirteen in Week One last year without Matthew Stafford. The Seahawks needed overtime in Week Eighteen to beat the Rams. And they also beat them again without, I think it was without Stafford, 27 to 23. Otherwise, the Rams have owned them I'm in. in this series. I'm in. Uh, I got it. I got the Bills blowing out the Jets. You guys got the Bills at least. Mm-hmm. Maybe not a blowout. Yep. Uh, I did take Mar- Marsh's Vikings. Why wouldn't I? They got the best quarterback in the league in Joshua Dobbs. I got the Vikings upsetting <laughs> the Broncos. Yes. And we know Marsh does too. I got the Chiefs on Monday night. I think the Chiefs beat the Eagles. I think this is this is a spot where Kansas City. You know, defensively can take can take care of that offense. I don't think Jalen Hurts is 100, percent and I, I think that's a tough. We know it's a tough environment to, to to win in. It's a big X factor to this game too. 
Um, Taylor Swift. Rumor has it that Taylor Swift's parents are going to meet Travis Kelsey's parents at this game. Is that a good so this thing? This is going to be. Well, it's the make it or break it, right? Oh, like boy. this could be how the next album gets written. Look, is that is she going to the be there or not? Like I don't think so. She's not going to be there. I'm going with the Eagles. No, you you don't think she's going to be there? Well, she's touring right now uh, internationally. Yeah, but she's got but private jets. I'm just saying. Okay. I just think this could be Jamie. You know, this could be a lot. More. Jamie, is what? she gonna be there or not? You, you're the one that's know. all over this Taylor Swift news. She won't answer my texts right now. I think Travis mm. is a little upset. I he, can't believe I, I cannot get a clear a, answer yeah. out of you two on this. And Jamie so didn't all make I've her a friendship bracelet. I, I don't think she's going to be there. <laughs> that is just my my knowledge. I'm saying no. I think that's why well, the parents, parents are going. The parents are going, but do they do they have why the same effect? The par- Hold on. Why would the parents meet each other without her being there? I don't know, Anthony, but it could be the game. Thank you, Dan McLaughlin. Because if the parents don't like each other, then it's over. There's the next album. There'll be songs written about parents and bad-mouthing people. It's going to be epic. I say she's there on Monday night. I don't think you send the parents into the the, the lion's den without being there mm. yourself. Yeah, there's no show on a Monday night for her. No. I say no. I say no. Travis Kelsey's 3-0 against Jason Kelsey. I think Jason Kelsey gets his first win, despite Taylor Swift's parents being in the building. It's a lot of layers to this. I don't like your poop mouth right now, Marsh. Mm. Gauntlet next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Four categories, one challenger. Can you master the gauntlet? Brought to you by Master, your hometown source for business communications for more than 30 years. Visit Mastor.com. Time for the gauntlet. We continue our playoff gauntlet. Uh, Dan McLaughlin now here. He'll be with us for the next two hours. Afternoon, fellas. Dan, how are you? I'm doing well. Jamie, nice to see you in San Jose. Thank you very much, Dan. Good to see you, too. So the whole crew's here now. Uh, Andrew Marsh, Jamie Rivers, Dan McLaughlin, Anthony Stalter, and we have Cody on the line. Cody is our latest playoff gauntlet champion uh, coming back to try his hand again. What's up, Cody? Hey, what's going on, guys? So, Cody, remind us, who did you beat to win your gauntlet trophy? Uh, I think it was Marshy. Oh, Marshy. It was. You don't remember that, Cody? That's like a milestone moment in your life. No kidding. (laughs) Come on. I'm pretty sure that's who it was. Okay. It was. He beat me in random. Okay. Well, there you go. All right, Cody. I don't know if you've been listening or not. I'll explain the rules no matter what. If you would, your choice. You can either pick your category or you can pick your opponent. But if you pick your category, you have to stick with categories. If you pick your opponent, you have to stick with opponent if you advance. So it's up to you. Now, just like your opponent would be eliminated, the category would also be eliminated. It's something to think about. Would you like to take on your would you like to choose your category or your opponent? Mm. Uh that that's tough. Um how many rounds are there going to be? Like, three. Uh, That's it, three. So I could eventually just ice out hockey. 
basically, if I go categories. You can't choose your category. Uh, no, you can choose your category again. Yeah. So yeah if you, you don't want to do hockey. So. Yeah, I would I would recommend then taking your category. <laughs> Unless we get to the sudden death round, and we'll go from there. But, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, I think we're going to stick with categories then. That's going to be the way to go. All right. What category would you like today? Uh, Football season, so let's go with football. All right. So that means the wheel will choose your opponent. It'll either be Jamie Rivers Andrew Marsh or me, and the wheel has been infatuated with Andrew Marsh, so it'll probably be Marsh. Let's let's do it. Cody, Cody, tell him to uh, spin the wheel. All right, Marsh, spin that wheel. All right, here we go. Marsh has played in all these gauntlet uh, playoffs. A lot of people advancing, too. Ooh, it is not going to be Marsh. I should have known. Right. Cody picked football. So, of course, the wheel pick Jamie Rivers. Oh, my. Oh, man. Yes. <laughs> All right, so Jamie, go into the makeshift cone of silence. We'll text you. Yeah, you guys, I'm going to leave the room and just text me. Give me a couple of seconds to get back in. You got it. No problem. Jamie, right, obviously, good luck, Cody. in San Jose. All right. Good luck, Jamie. All right. Uh, Marsh, Marsh is giving us the launch codes right now. Thank you. Dan, we can uh, we can swap here. We can sure. we can share. Uh, Cody, are you ready? Yes, sir. All right, here we go. Question one: Which Pro Football Hall of Famer holds the nickname the Playmaker? Which Pro Football Hall of Famer holds the nickname the Playmaker? Boy, gotta be a quarterback. Um, I'll take the options here. Uh, is it? Eloy Hirsch, Lynn Swan, or Michael Irvin? Uh, sounds like a Lynn Swan type of thing. Go Lynn Swan. He made some big plays. I'm actually going to play along. You just do this. I'm going to oh, try okay. to take some guesses. Well, uh, Dan got Dan got that own. one. Dan got that one right without yeah. the okay. options, but we won't tell you whether or not Cody did. Just All right. for my own fun. Cody, ahead, is that your what final a blast answer? It is. Yeah, Lynn Swan, final answer. All right, question number two. Texans wide receiver Nico Collins went to which university? Ugh. Um, I'll take uh, an Ohio State guy. I'll, I'll take the options. Options are Michigan, Ohio State, or Penn State. Well, <laughs> should have gone with my gut. Uh, I'll, I'll stick with Ohio State. Final answer. Cody, question three. Which college produced two of the top three overall draft picks in last year's NFL draft? Which college produced two of the top three overall draft picks in last year's NFL draft? That was, uh, that was Tua and Will Anderson. Out of uh, old Alabama. Final answer. Alabama, final answer. Question number four. Isaac Bruce played 13 seasons in St. Louis before playing for which team for two seasons before retiring? Hmm. Oh, God. Uh, Isaac Bruce, where did he go? I think he stayed in the NFC. 49ers. Um, 
I'll take. I don't want to, I'll take the options. I'll take the options here. Options are: Is it the San Francisco 49ers, the then Washington Redskins, or the Buffalo Bills? 49ers. Final answer. All right. Uh, Dan would have gotten six points. Oh. Dan would have gotten six. We don't know how. Cody That's not did. bad, right? That's not bad. It's at pretty all. good, Dan. Okay. I feel like uh, <laughs> taking the options. I was playing the two safe today, man. Uh, Cody, uh, I think you played just fine. You played the way that you wanted to. You went with your gut, and that's what we uh, what's what we expect here. I like the pep talk from Dan. Thank Absolutely. you, buddy. I just texted uh, Jamie. I said something inappropriate. He'll be back here in a second. Really? <laughs> yep. Cody, yeah, how do you feel? Do better than Jamie. That's all. That's right. That's, that's all right. that matters. Uh-huh. <laughs> all right. I'm uh, back, baby. Jamie, are you ready? Uh, am I, should I be? Marsh, tell him. Jamie, you should pack a lunch. Or maybe order some room service. Oh, wow. Snap. Damn it. All right. Here we go. Question Let's number go. one. Jamie. Oh, yeah. baby. Which pro football Hall of Famer holds the nickname The Playmaker? Oh, wow. I feel like I should know this one. But it's escaping me right now. The Playmaker. The Playmaker. Options, please. Eloy Hirsch, Lynn Swan, or Michael Irvin? Oh, wow. I, I feel like it's Lynn Vaughn or Michael Irvin. Elroy Hirsch. Uh, I don't know why I was saying Eloy. What's that? It's Elroy Hirsch. You're thinking Eloy Jimenez. Yes, I was. <laughs> yes, I was. <laughs> Eloy. <laughs> Elroy Hirsch. Elroy Hirsch, Lynn Swan, Michael Irvin. Uh, Idiot. The Playmaker. I don't know if I've ever heard Michael Irvin called the Playmaker, but I feel like... He's kind of a playmaker. Um, Lynn Swan, final answer. Question number two. Please. Number two. Texans wide receiver Nico Collins went to which university? I hate these freaking questions. <laughs> Why do I always get the college football question? Because you always get football. Grant, you're fired. Don't fire him. We need him this, this week. Yeah. <laughs> Options. Options are Michigan, Ohio State, or Penn State. <sighs> Michigan, Ohio State, or Penn State. Ohio State. Final answer. Which college produced two of the top three overall draft picks in last year's NFL draft? Which college produced two of the top three overall draft picks in last year's NFL draft? Um, which college? Okay. So, I feel like it's going to be Ohio State. Final answer. And question number four. Isaac Bruce played 13 seasons in St. Louis before playing for which team for two seasons before retiring? Oh, God. These options. Options are (laughs) San Francisco 49ers, the then Washington Redskins, or the Buffalo Bills? I feel like it was the Washington Redskins. Final answer. All right. 
I suck. Let's go over these. <laughs> Let's go over these today. God, Cody versus Jamie in the gauntlet playoff. Which Pro Football Hall of Famer holds the nickname The Playmaker? Cody, with the options, you went with Lynn Swan. Marsh, or Marsh. I wrote down Marsh. Jamie's playing. Jamie, you also said Lynn Swan. Correct answer is Michael Irvin. Michael Irvin. Yeah, of the, playmaker. the Playmaker. Yeah. 0-0 zero, zero tie between Cody and Jamie. Texans wide receiver Nico Collins went to which university? Cody, with the options, you said the Ohio State University. Jamie, with the options, you said the Ohio State University. Correct answer is? It is Michigan. It is Michigan. Uh, Dan, <laughs> Dan, this is the only one you got wrong. You wrote down Penn State. I did. I thought Penn State, too. So, Yeah. I was thinking Penn State. I don't know why. But. Yeah. All right. They're trying to trick us. Yeah, they are. Zero yeah. zero tie between Cody and Jamie. Which college produced oh, two of the top three draft picks in last year's NFL draft? That's the question I'll read next after this one. Isaac Bruce played thirteen <laughs> seasons in St. Louis before playing for which which team for two seasons before retiring? Cody, with the options, you said 49ers. Jamie, with the options, you said Washington. Correct answer is? It is San Francisco. It is the 49ers. So, Cody, with a one nothing lead. Comes down to this. Which college produced two of the top three draft picks in this past year's NFL draft? Without the options, Jamie said Ohio State. Without the options, Cody said Alabama. Ah! If it's Ohio State, Jamie wins. If it's Alabama, Cody comes up with a Jordan Biddington-esque shutout. (laughs) Cody. You have chosen wisely. It is Alabama. Bryce Young, Will Anderson, two of the top three picks in this year's draft. Cody, you win 3-0 today over Jamie. You have survived, and you'll take on either Marsh or Jamie in the second – or me in the second round. Nice job. It was ugly, but uh, win's a win, right? Hey, does it, sometimes you got to play defense to win, and you did. Nice job. It was real ugly. All right, thanks, guys. All right, thank you. That's Cody. That I'm good one, Cody. He's putting up a dub. That's it. Yep. Yep. So yeah, that's, it. That. That's, that's all you have to do is put is put up a dub and keep it keep going. That's right. Yeah. And that was ugly, guys. It was, but it, you know, Jamie. Here's the thing. If I know you, you're going to bounce back. You're going to bounce back. <laughs> I hope so. That wasn't your zero was pretty bad. That wasn't your best, but you've got way better days ahead. I believe it. I believe it in my in my soul. All right? So you keep that well, at least they know that I wasn't cheating. Yeah. <laughs> if you ever had any thoughts that uh, the Fastlane cheats, um, we don't. Hey, All right. by the way, sources, sources are telling me that uh, the Swifties are saying Taylor Swift will be at the game uh, on thank Monday Thank you. Night. Thank you. I told you. It would make no sense. That she would be, that she wouldn't be there with her parents meeting the Kelseys for the first time. I mean, come on. Well, there'd be the a what if it goes horribly wrong? Oh yeah, probably. On how many times they probably. show one or the other or whatever, yes. there'll be a prop bet for that. Won't Somebody, there? Some offshore yeah. account will have that. Yeah. What yeah. if it does go horribly wrong, like like Jamie just said? Jamie nailed the the, the last segment. There would be a new album. Hmm. This is how album. it works. She dates some dude. Relationship over. New album. Yeah. Anytime she needs a new album, finds a new dude, that thing goes south, and she's got new material, and she writes. Do you think the uh, Do you think the album is based upon the negative 
interaction of the parents and that she's still with Travis or is it a full breakup with Travis and his family? Oh, I think it's the full it's yeah. the full breakup and one of the okay. songs is dedicated to the interaction between the parents. Something like mm-hmm. your parents look down upon us because we're not football royalty. It's going to call it's going to be called football royalty. Ooh, I like I that. So. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's pretty good. Well, she has um she has a song called Blank Space. Maybe it's just going to be Blank You. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's his number? What's Kelsey's number? I forget. All 87. The top. 87. Blank You 86. That's what it's going to be. Or 87. Blank You 87. That's what it's going to be. Blank You 87. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. 87 era. <laughs> Dan McLaughlin, Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh. I'm Anthony Stalter. It's the Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Let's dive back into the Blues. Uh, is this a bit of a trap game tonight? Blues playing well. Sharks playing like dog you know what. Any concerns here? How do you avoid the letdown spot? That's next on 101 ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Tonight, the Blues take on the Sharks in San Jose. Jamie Rivers, of course, will be on the Bally Sports Midwest broadcast. Uh, Jamie, the Blues are rolling right now, as we know. They're coming off the 5-0 victory against Tampa, the 8-2 victory over the Avalanche, the 2-1 win over the Coyotes. They've won five of their last six games. And, of course, the Sharks have been absolutely dreadful. Uh, an NHL worst. Two Sorry and th- about that. I don't care. 2-13. and 13. They've dropped eight of their last ten games. Blues, big favorites tonight, as they should be. But, Jamie, this is this is what we call in betting parlance the, the trap game, the letdown spot, because the Blues are playing so well, and now they're, they're facing a, a San Jose team that they should beat. Concern is not the right word because even if they lose this one, it's not like it's not like they 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 have they're done. They're not going to go to the playoffs or something. But as a former NHL player, when you guys were rolling, did it matter who the opponent was? Did you look ahead and say, "Ah, oh, this is a bad this is a bad team. We got this," or did you just concentrate on what you were doing and be honest about it? Like, is there a human element yeah. to it? <clears throat> well. First of all, Anthony, I want to tell you that I ran into some some Sharks fans this morning, and they said to say hi to you. Uh, they're down at the ring for morning skate. So oh yeah, say hi to Anthony. Yeah. What was so? Anyway, what were the names, uh, Jamie? From, what's that? What were the names? It was Frank and Teresa. Oh yeah, I know Frank and Teresa. Yeah, yeah. They came from your imagination. You. No, they said they miss you, but they said that uh, you're still active in the group chat, so that's cool. <laughs> Anyways, um, group chat. Now, yeah. <laughs> The message Can't boards. Thanks for going to San Jose Sharks. Mess dot com message boards. See you there. Is there a San Jose Sharks bar here in St. Louis? Do you think all the Sharks fans in probably the gathering there? Yeah, there's there's well, one you would somewhere. know. Right? Yeah, it's called Anthony's house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that bridge just comes over. We we, we talk about our Sharks. <laughs> I gotta look at the roster to see who's on the roster. But oh, yeah. you're just playing around. We all did. Now, uh, okay, so to your question, it's not that you ever look at a team and go, oh, boy, this is going to be an easy one. But what happens is once the game starts, you're expecting – you're not that you're expecting it to be easy, but you're expecting to be able to do whatever the hell you want, right? Yeah. It's kind of like a 
it's kind of like a heavyweight boxer against a no not ranked fighter you like anytime that you could lose but you're you know kind of sitting in there toying with the opponent opponent at first you're kind of having some fun doing things maybe you wouldn't do ordinarily so the same can apply to to hockey is Maybe you're starting to make passes you shouldn't. Maybe you're not back-checking as hard as you should. Maybe your stick or your body's not in the shot lane or the pass lane. And then all it takes is, you know, a bounce or two to go the other way, and a team that is not considered to be good has some life and has some energy, mm-hmm. and now you're trying to you know, grab that momentum back. So there's always that risk that, that's out there, and, you know, you have to be aware of it. But when I look at this Blues team in particular – I see a team that's worked extremely hard this season, you know, from the, the off season to training camp and the first stretch of games to where it was this whole, like we have to turn everything around this defensive structure, blocking shots, making hits, doing everything as a team. I just don't know if you'll have that let down from the blues right now. I think they're really happy that they're on a three game win streak. I think they look at the rest of this road trip as very winnable games. Of course, the LA Kings are a, a formidable opponent to say the least, but this team believes right now mm-hmm. and I just don't see them taking their foot off the gas against the Sharks tonight. Yeah. I just don't see it. Yeah, they shouldn't. I I think that this is more about the Blues and less about the opponent. The good thing is is it's not like the Blues as of right now are are Stan- nobody's viewing them as a Stanley Cup contender. I-, I think that when you, me, Marsh, when we called them a team that we expect to make the playoffs, I think there was a lot of pushback. There's a lot of pushback. Oh, yeah. There's, there was at least some pushback from fans. If you would gauge where the national media was, the ma- national media was definitely against that. They felt as though that the Blues were this weird rebuild. They should should be in a rebuild. So when you think about it from that perspective, this is about the Blues tonight. It's not about the Sharks. It's not a Stanley Cup contender that's going to take its foot off the gas because they know they can go through the motions. This is about a Blues team that has discovered its its game in 2023, is playing for each other, as Bennington noted, and is playing very well that still has plenty of things to, to, to clean up. You know, the power play is still going to be clean. The power play is not fixed. It's better right now, but it's not fixed. So that's how I view it. Tonight's about the Blues, not about the Sharks. I think the whole season is about the Blues, quite honestly. And, and you just look at some of the recent games to where you played the Colorado Avalanche. They were in a little bit of a skid at the time, but you went in there and you played hard and you got the results. Like, is it going to be 8-2 every time? Absolutely not. We know that. But, you know, if the, the Avs are on their game Maybe that's a 3-2 win for the Blues instead of an 8-2 win. But regardless, I think that every time the Blues play this year, it's about the Blues. Mm -hmm. Because if they don't bring their work boots every single game, they won't get the results. And I think that that's evident. And I think that what's what's happened here recently is certain players have been paid off for their hard work. And now that those players are you know having success and getting the results that they want that's when you get the ultimate buy-in mm-hmm. so when a guy like jordan Cairo has been told all off season to work on his 200 foot game and then early in the season work on your 200 foot game and this and that and the other and now he has worked on his 200 foot game like there's several several times where i'm watching him back check stealing pucks from the opponent getting in passing lanes doing a real good job 
but he wasn't rewarded for a while. Yeah. He wasn't scoring, right? And so I was a little concerned that the buy-in would maybe disappear, but now he's getting those results. Mm-hmm. And so you're looking at a Jordan Kyra now that's like, you know what? I'm getting these results and I'm playing a 200-foot game. And if you want to circle any other forward right now or any other defenseman that is you know, getting rewarded, it's the best part about this is when the team gets rewarded by playing the style of game that they want to play, that's when you get ultimate buy-in. That's when you feel like you're never, ever unable to compete on any given night. And that's why I think that when the Blues get a lesser opponent this year in particular, I don't see them taking their foot off the gas. I see them, you know, trying to add even more pressure to that team and make sure that they win those games. You know, time will tell. We'll see. It's a long season and, you know, uh, bumps and bruises might play a part in, in some of this as you go down the road. But right now, for me, it looks like a really, really motivated Blues team to continue to have the success. Jamie will be on the broadcast tonight for Bally Sports Midwest as the Sharks take on the the Blues, or the Blues take on the Sharks at 9.30. The pregame here on 101 ESPN will start at 8.30. Jamie will also give us his keys to a victory tonight, and we'll do the first goal game in about 15 minutes. But a little baseball next. Ken Rosenthal yes. of The Athletic talked about a dark horse, a sleeper for Shohei Otani. I'll tell you who that sleeper is, and the discussion will revolve around whether or not that's good for baseball. Mama River's going to be happy. Well, Jamie just told you who it was. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. In Ken Rosenthal's latest piece for The Athletic, he mentions that the Blue Jays might be a surprise team, a dark horse horse team, for Shohei Otani. That would be interesting. Would it be good for baseball, though? We know it would be good for Mama Rivers, who's a massive Blues fan, but would it be good for baseball if Shohei Otani went to the Blue Jays, Dan? Uh, What do you got a problem with Canada for? What's your problem, Anthony? I think it'd be good for uh, baseball. We love Canada. Well, he's got a problem. Does it, would it be good for baseball? Why? Why do you word it like that? Because. Why? You know. Yeah, I know. That's why I don't like it. What's your problem <laughs> with Canada? I, I've got no problem with Canada. I want the Expos to come back. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should play for the Expos. <laughs> Hands down, one of the coolest logos ever. It's the best. And uh, I want it back in, I'd say Montreal would be a good spot. Yeah. Monterey, Mexico, that'd be another spot. Mm -hmm. What about Vegas? Oh. Oh, boy. There's already a spot in Vegas. Um, I don't know. I think it'd be great, though. I mean, and Jamie, you know better than I, but I've been in Toronto a bunch. I don't know about you guys, but it's an international city. And it's an international worldwide player. I I think it'd be awesome for the game of baseball to get that guy in Canada, a place that a lot of people don't expect him to go, international city, and they should have some money to spend because George Springer comes off the books, I think, in 26. He signed for $150 bucks. Then you got to think about Bichette. You got to think about Guerrero. Um, How do you pay those guys and pay Otani? That would be really hard to do. But I do think, generally speaking, it'd be a good thing for baseball. 
He's going to be a Dodger, right, guys? That's what I think. Yeah. <laughs> like we could talk, we could talk I, about the the Blue Jays and some of these other teams. Jamie, he's going to be a Dodger, correct? Uh, probably. Yeah. I just look at it too, like from a business standpoint. And yes, it would be wonderful for the Blue Jays to market a player like Shohei Otani, but whatever the number is, what what do we think the number is? Forty million per season? Fifty million per season? What do you think? I would imagine it's backloaded a lot, yeah. Just because he's not going to pitch this year, so you can get a little right, so total dollar value. What do you think, Dan? Four fifty. Okay, so four hundred and fifty million U.S. Now can do the conversion into Canadian dollars and think about how much the Blue Jays would have to generate just to pay for one player. What is the and you would know this probably, Jamie? What's the TV deal? With uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, Rogers Sportsnet, obviously. Um, yeah, is it similar to what's going on here with uh, the the regional television networks? No, it really isn't. It's um, it, it's uh, Rogers is nationwide. Yeah, TV. It's not regional. It's all of Canada is Rogers, and so it, it's a massive corporation. They're a big part of the Maple Leafs as well. Um, so. As far as paying the money and being able to afford it, I mean, yes, they can. I'm just looking at it from a standpoint of what about the rest of your roster at that point? You're committing a massive amount of money to one player. I mean, I guess any team is for that matter. I I don't know. Maybe I'm way off on it. No, I don't think so. I think you're right on. And it's like I was saying before, when you've got Bo Bichette, really good player, you got Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who the fans and the nation loves up in Canada. That's another one. Yeah, I don't know if you can afford to keep both those guys and then add a salary like yeah, it's gonna be tough. Otani. I mean, that's yeah. that's really now again, Springer's numbers come off the books in twenty six. That was I say only, but that was only $150 million. Now mm-hmm. you do get that off the books, but I would think their priority is trying to keep their own guys before they go out and get Otani. That yeah. that would be my general feeling on it yeah we'll see i think the, i think the blue jays would be interesting i think the dodgers are, are the layup uh him in new york with the, the either the mets or the yankees certainly from a national perspective but i think his home cubs? is right here in st louis i don't know why you would mention the cubs uh the if well, he's coming to the mid just because if he's coming to the midwest jamie the it's the cardinals no no <laughs> but you look at the cubs and they're doing some interesting things here you know, they're paying buku bucks for a manager. They're not going to give that manager all that money and not give him a team. Mm-hmm. They're just not. So I look at that and go, what else have they got up their sleeve? Because we know the Cubs have money. So what does it look like? Is Shohei Otani a guy that they would entertain? I mean, Dan, I don't know. You know better than me. Absolutely. And it makes sense as much as it would pain, I think, Cardinal fans to hear this. It makes a lot of sense for him to go to Chicago. To your point, you just doled out $40 million for a manager. So Tom Ricketts is willing to spend money to go get a guy. That means he's going to spend on his payroll. You you probably are going to lose Cody Bellinger in free agency. He gave you 97 runs batted in. He, he popped 26 home runs, and he did it from the left side. They don't have a lot of thump in the middle of their lineup. They need thump in the middle of their lineup. And taking it further down the road, they just lost Marcus Stroman, who opted out of his contract. And so in in you know year two of the deal, two and a half, you're going to get Otani to pitch. 
So it, it would make a lot of sense. There's a lot of fits right now when you look at the Cubs and Otani and with the money that they're willing to spend. Yeah, I don't like you guys' attitude one bit. Okay, so I'm going to shut this down. <laughs> yep. Keys to victory for the Blues tonight. Jamie will Next. tell you. Plus, we've got your first goal here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. This being Jamie's last segment here in the Fast Lane on 101 at ESPN for right now. Jamie, keys to a victory yeah. tonight for the Blues over the San Jose Sharks. What's that? Keys to victory? Yes. Right. How they gonna Sorry, win this Anthony. Thing? It, cra- against- it crackled, Anthony. It crackled, okay? It toggled on everybody. No, it crackled. <laughs> okay. Okay. Keys to victory for your St. Louis Blues tonight. Number one. Get pucks in deep and establish the forecheck. This is a team that, let's just be honest, they're not as talented as you are. They've got a lot of young players learning and developing at the NHL level right now. Don't make it easy on them. Get pucks behind them. Make them feel uncomfortable. Get in on the forecheck. Uh, if you got an opportunity to, to get a hit on somebody, do it. Put the pressure on them. Put them on their heels right away so that they know it's going to be a long game. Key number two, pucks and bodies to the net. Again, this is a team that should not be as good as you are. Goaltending is suspect. Defense is suspect. Pucks and bodies to the net causes chaos. And we've seen, especially recently with the Blues, when they get those bodies to the net and they retrieve those pucks, good things happen. So tonight, everything must be pushed north. Everything goes up into their end. Everything in their end goes to the net. Pucks and bodies to the net. And my last one here, key number three, limit turnovers. Why do I say that? Well, because the only way a team that is not as talented as you are keep themselves in the game or win a game is when you hurt yourself. And that would become that would come at the expense of turnovers. If you have bad turnovers in your own zone, a neutral zone at the far blue line, it gives the other team the opportunity to create some momentum. Maybe it gives them an outnumbered situation. Odd man rushes before you know what they've got a goal or two off of your mistakes. And now you're paddling upstream and it's not as easy as it should be. So don't make it hard on yourself. Limit the turnovers. Those are my keys. Love it. You're gonna love this. <laughs> Let's go, boys. We need you to score more goals. Get those loose pucks. Thomas, DeKairu, score! Goal! No big deal. Game winner. Top shelf. All right, time for the first goal of the game. Yeah. Marsha, you still have one, one nothing on everybody? Yeah. Yeah, Boy, I am. We have not done well with the first goal. Until tonight, Dan, who do you got? Colton Pareko. Colton I've gone Pareko, with him uh, every game. And every game, he hasn't come through. So I'm playing the odds, and at some point, he's going to come through with that first goal. So Colton, Colton Pareko. Yeah, first goal of the game. You had the first Pareko. goal the other night, Dan, but unfortunately, you weren't playing. You weren't playing. Yeah, yep. thanks a lot for reminding me. <laughs> You're welcome, Dan. Marshy. Thanks, Jamie. I'm going to take Brandon Sod tonight. Mm. Brandon Sod. Jamie. 
Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with Casperi Kapanen. Old Cappy with buzzing around at morning skate. All right, I'm going to go with Pavel Buchnevich. I went with Pavel Buchnevich the other day, and uh, he did not score the first goal, as Jamie mentioned. It was Colton Pareko. That's my guy. But Booch, Booch is scoring tonight first. Feel it in my bones. Feeling it in my bones tonight. Yep. Uh, Booch, 12 shots over his last five games. Jordan Cairo over that same span with 23 shots. None of us took Cairo because he's got uh, – he doesn't have great luck right now. Now, scored two goals last game. But yeah. yeah, I had him last robbed. game, except he didn't score first. <laughs> Damn, Colton Pareko got us all. He's ready to go off, fun. by the way. Who's that? Cairo. Cairo? Yep. After last game, he's he's that about due to just really go nuts. Well yep. I'm with you, Jamie. They look good. They look comfortable. Yep. Yeah, so the line lines, Pavel Buchanavich, Robert Thomas, Kasperi Kapanen, Brandon Saad, Braden Shen, Kairu, Jacob Verana, Kevin Hayes, Alexei Torpchenko, Sammy Blay, Oscar Sunquist, and Jake Neighbors. D- Jamie, did you have to like really do a deep dive like the last three days on who the hell still plays for San Jose? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I uh, I had to pull out the old hockey DB and try to figure out where the hell these guys have come from. You know, Logan Couture he's on the LTIR, I believe. They don't know when he'll be back. Uh, Tomas Hurdle might be the only other guy. And old Pickles there on defense, Mark Edward Vlasic. <laughs> Those are the only freaking names I really remembered. And so diving into the San Jose roster, I mean, they are not just in a rebuild. They're in a full, complete, overall rebuild. Right. This is an interesting team right now. We'll uh, they, that. they do have former friend Mike Hoffman. Oh, yeah, that's right. Hoffy. The, the Hoffinator. Oh! That's right, the Hoff. Yeah. Don't have to the Hoff. Yep. And uh, Alex Ferrario will play tonight as well. (laughs) I think that's Mario. Oh, Mario. Yeah, Mario Mm. Ferrario. (laughs) (laughs) His cousin. Distant cousin. All right, Jamie. Good stuff, man. We'll see you sometime next week. Yes, I think so. Tuesday. We'll we'll check the schedule. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Have a great call, Jamie. All right, See guys, you, have a good one. All right, See you, buddy. See you have a great call. It's Jamie Rivers. Uh, Dan McLaughlin with us for the final hour of the show. What's trending next in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN? We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's trending in the world of sports? The Fast Lane has you covered. What's trending now? Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate to Goodwill to win a magical Polar Express staycation. Welcome back to the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Anthony Stalter, Dan McLaughlin. I'm Andrew Marsh, and it's time for What's Trending. Gentlemen, Clarissa Thompson is trending. She was on Pardon My Take, Barstool Sports, a podcast. How'd it go, Marsh? Well, this is what she said. Oh, boy. Let's see what you think. I've said this before, so I haven't been fired for saying it, but I'll say it again. I would make up the report sometimes because, A, the coach wouldn't come out at halftime or it was too late, and I was like, I didn't want to screw up the report, so I was like, I'm just going to make this up because, first of all, no coach is going to get mad if I say, hey, we need to stop 
uh, hurting ourselves. We needed to be better on third down. We yep. need to stop turning the ball Pressure over. Pressure the quarterback. We need, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and do a better job of getting off the field. Like, they're not going to correct me on that. Right. So I'm like, it's fine. I'll it just make up the report. It would be very funny if you were like, yeah, so I just spoke with Arthur Smith at halftime, and he said Bijan Robinson blew smoke in his face. Yeah. That's why he's not getting the ball. Terrible. <sighs> Terrible. I mean, what's that say then about the guys like Tom Rinaldi, Ken Rosenthal, Tom Verducci, I mean, guys that are hustling, hustling to get uh, information. I can go on my own experience. I did sidelines for the Cardinals. I did sidelines for Missouri football on national telecast. I did sidelines for the NFL and the Rams uh, on Fox. And believe me, I was hustling, man. I was trying to get info, and there's no way I would go on the air and say things that I didn't hear, or at least that I could use, that I'd gotten from a source, from the coach, from a player, I think that's terrible. I could I could see somebody saying, ah, oh, this isn't a big deal because it's not like she was spreading misinformation. She was just saying, you know, kind of the she was just repeating cliches that that didn't exist. The problem is that's look, that's her job. It's that's her job. job. She's on the side. Why else are you on the sidelines then? If you're a sideline reporter, you report stuff from the sidelines, or else you're useless in the broadcast. Yeah. So that's the job, and she wasn't doing her job. So, well, that I mean, it's embarrassing. I'm shocked that she would admit it and yeah. be so flippant about it, which goes to goes to show you that she doesn't think it's a big deal. What do you think other sideline guys, gals, when they hear that and have had to bust their ass to get to that, that point in their careers, and they hear that? Hopefully they're disgusted. I would think they are. Yeah. I, I don't get a lot out of sideline reports, um, mine included, unless... It included um, injury updates, things of that nature, mm-hmm. where if they say, nope, Joe Blow is out for the uh, remainder of the game. Yeah. Okay, now I know something. Right. Now you'll figure it out in the first seven, eight minutes when he doesn't take a snap. Right. However, but you, you never know. Maybe he's getting worked on and he's going to come out in the fourth. I think there's sometimes pertinent information that comes out that's more than just cliche. Right. Um, I don't think a lot of people like the sideline stuff. I've always felt like it enhances the game to an extent. Like if you, if we're able to put a reporter down in a NASCAR race and the guy's going to go 300 miles an hour and you interview him three minutes beforehand, are you telling me we can't interview the coach right. in the middle of a game? Yeah. I mean, come on. I, I you know... I, th- I always think the best reports are what you just what you just described about the injuries. That that is really anytime I, the only time I've ever said wow during an during a sideline report is when the sideline reporter says this player is not playing and it he wasn't on the injury report over he tested you know when it went out pre pre game and mm. slip fell. Knee, knee's not good. Yeah, no, he's not playing. Or at halftime, like Donovan Peoples Jones two right. years ago before Thursday night football that cost me a week in fantasy football. Oh Anthony. no! Right Sorry, before man. the kickoff, is it like that? It's something like yeah. that. Yeah, or at halftime. This this quarter, yeah, he this quarterback has been ruled out for the the rest of the game. I think Jim Hayes does a great job. Yes, he does. I think he gives he you information, fun. and he's he's makes it fun, and yeah. he shows personality. He's become an integral part of the broadcast. He's not just somebody you throw it down to. He comes back. Right. You can go back back and forth with him and have a little fun. And he's got great relationships with the players. I can tell you that. I was just about to say, I, Dan, as you know, he's got that. That's exactly what I was going to say. You said it well. So why lie though? So let's say 
ex-coach can't do an interview, doesn't want to do an interview, couldn't you essentially play off of that and say, hey, blah, 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 yeah. is heated right now, declined an interview, is not happy with the way they played? You know, I heard some things on the sidelines. This is what's going on right now. Yeah, refused That's to comment. Yeah, refused to comment. Didn't want to talk. Uh, Send clearly, it back up to the booth. Clearly disgusted. You know, whatever. Yeah, it, it. This is what happens when you get too comfortable sometimes, and it it can be easy to get too comfortable on these things. And I'm pointing to my mic right now. Yeah, you get comfortable, especially in a in a setting like that where she was on part in my take on bar stool. She gets a little comfortable. She knows that the hosts are looking for something something interesting she's on wide platform she gets too comfortable and she admits to something she she one she shouldn't have been doing that's 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 number one uh but she gets a little too comfortable admitting something she shouldn't i I think some people think that sideline reports are completely useless i don't i think there is some information that can come out of that to marshy's point um the nfl is such a television product it's part of the deal it's part of the package of what you bring to the viewer and they want the the information to come out as much as they can with mm-hmm. the NFL. I mean, they want to give the fans insight as much as you can. Um, I would love, and we did this at one point in probably 2004, when a starter left the game, pitcher, we interviewed him during the game. What yeah. was working, what's not, you know, how did you feel in your, your um, performance? And yeah, you get some cliches, but you got some guys when I was down there that said, I was terrible, I couldn't get a grip on my curveball. My arm felt dead. I, I didn't feel good about what my stuff was. But mm-hmm. you know what? Guys bailed me out. We're leading 5 nothing. Yeah. You know, whatever. I thought that was interesting. And it's interesting to see. Seeing a player up close. That's yeah. what you want. You want personality. You want to see these guys. You want to hear from them. That's one way to do it. No doubt. All right, Marsh. What else you got? Yeah, some fans, some Major League Baseball fans, not excited, especially if they're from Oakland. Because the owners why, why is that? approved... The Oakland Athletics move to Las Vegas today. When I saw this, my heart sank, even though it was, it's a foregone conclusion. Yep. The only reason why it sank is because we obviously went through it here with the Rams. We know what, we know what it feels like. They're I finding think, out doubly, though, with the Raiders and yeah, the A's. That's and tough. Golden State going to San Francisco. San Francisco. Right. I do like what initially I'm like, okay, what are we doing here? But as the more I read, the more I appreciate it. So A's fan groups, I don't know if you saw the stand, they're organizing a 2024 opening day boycott after the Las Vegas uh, relocation vote. And I saw this, like I said, I saw the headline, I'm like, all right. But what they're doing, it's a group for the Oakland 68s and the last dive bar. So it's a group that is going to tailgate but not but refuse to go into the game so they're playing in oakland next year correct yeah but apparently they're going to do there's some some games are in oakland some games are going to be played at like at san francisco giant the giant so stadium that's after 2024 oh that's after 2024 so 2025, because okay. they won't re- relocate relocate i don't believe until 2027 gotcha okay so that will be in beyond where they'll have to play in like a triple a stadium as well as the giants park and all that but what the groups are doing, the groups are encouraging fans to come to the Coliseum, party right there in the parking lot. So tailgate, essentially. Tailgate, leave the stands empty. So you got tickets to the game, but you don't go in. You party out there, you leave the stands stands open. They're planning the other boycott events for the regular season. But what they're also doing is they're encouraging 
fans to donate some or all of what they have spent on A's tickets on opening day toward the efforts of the schools over stadiums group in Nevada looking to block the public funding promised to the A's by Nevada state legislator. So what they're trying to do is turn this awful story of the A's now relocating and trying to drum up money for the schools over stadiums initiative. Can you imagine what the stadium is going to look like, though, in Vegas? It'll be unbelievable. I guarantee it. It'll be state-of-the-art. Just like the Raiders. It, exactly. It'll be state-of-the-art. The owner's going to get what he wants. And unfortunately, as is always the case, the fans are left behind in these yes. situations. It's just a, plain and simple. Fans, diehards are just left behind. And it's it's sad. Dan, maybe you know more about this than I do. I probably shouldn't speak on this without doing the research. But I have to imagine that the city of Oakland is not a, is not uh, without blame here, too. And I don't mean the people, the city, the, peop- the, the people within the city. I mean the actual city. Yeah. I mean, in California, though, it's just tough to get anything approved for statewide funding for stadiums sure in california it's very tough that's why it took Cronky to go in and say i'll privately fund this stadium right with a little infrastructure help and the the a's tried i know the organization did try i don't know how hard they tried because mm-hmm. a lot of these times they're just going to hold the city ransom so they can get out and get the best deal sure which and is terrible it's terrible and that's what's happening yeah i i just have to imagine though that, i mean you, you this is a stadium where the 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 showers where the 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 plumbing and the showers were oh, coming it's, up with it's nasty with, with sewage. Yeah. I mean, you can't tell me that the, they just they let it pass, go. Yeah, the state passed some sort of health code with that. I, right. I think the whole thing's sad. All right, it's fast nine on one hundred and one ESPN. That's what's trending. We do have our sports six pack coming up next, though. So if you got a question for us, send it into the Air Comfort Service text line, and uh, we'll again we'll do our sports six pack next. <laughs> Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I have a question. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me! The Sports Six Pack is refreshed by Maggie O'Brien's. Your go-to Irish pub in St. Louis for over 42 years. With Dan McLaughlin, I'm Anthony Stalter. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. And here's Andrew Marsh with your questions for the Sports Six Pack. Question, question one, number please. one. There we go. I was a little tardy there. Sorry, no, Marshy. That Marsh. was the indicator. Yeah. You know, sometimes your head was going, Dan. Come on. Miss the sign. Go. Missing the sign. Miss the yeah. sign. Miss the indicator. I was tardy. Yep. It's on me. Yep. No doubt about it. Okay. You didn't go to the nose ear indicator, and then I I thought, you know, if you went what chest, is our, Should we have an indicator? Yeah. Go across the chest Maybe, there, Marcy. Or is that the Maybe white, the ear. though? Are we wiping Oh, the that chest? could be good. We'll wipe yeah, it that, off. Yeah, wipe yeah. off. Yep. Wipe Question off. one, please. All right. <laughs> Question number one. <laughs> Our indicator is just Dan. Yeah. Sane. Thank you. Question blank, please. Very kind of you, Marshy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We were just talking about the Oakland Athletics from 309. It seems to me that the people of Oakland stopped caring about the A's a long time ago. Why do they all of a sudden care about the team that they're leaving? Thoughts? Because the owner didn't care. I mean, they let their own free agents go. They didn't sign any free agents. They didn't make an attempt at winning. So what else do you need? Yes, sir. Wouldn't it be the same thing here? Uh, I'm so I'm exactly. shocked. I'm shocked we got. I'm kind of surprised we got this question. Unless yeah. you're un, you're just unfamiliar, and I'm not judging, but unless you're unfamiliar with what happened here, I mean, national, 
You the had, team they put out this year was terrible. You had fans from other markets saying when the when the Rams relocation process went down that fans here didn't support the team. That wasn't that wasn't the case. Fans caught wind of Cronky and the NFL and Jerry Jones all doing their all doing their their dirty work behind the scenes to get the Rams to LA. It wasn't. It wasn't that the the Rams weren't supported. It's that this was a this was a crap team for several years. Yes, I, many years with zero investment. Correct into the product in the roster. So, uh, you know, again, I'm not judging, but uh, I am a little surprised that we're that we got that that question based on the point. backlash that we got here. But Dan, you're spot on. The, the ownership group put. I mean, anytime they had a guy, he was traded. He was dealt. Adios. Sean Murphy, Matt Olson, Giambi. Giambi way back in the day. Yeah. I mean, they had good Barry teams. Zito was, you know, not, not re-upped. But think about that. Zeter, uh, Zito, Mulder, Hudson. Gone. You keep that three together, you got a chance to win. Yeah. Just With go Izzy at, on the back end. And Izzy was awfully good in the back end. Yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense. No. Question Just trade, two. baby. Question two, please. <laughs> Question number two. All right, this one is from the 217, sticking with Oakland. I try to visit one or two new ballparks every year. If you were me, would you make the trip to Oakland next season? If nothing else, that stadium has history. Oh, man. I No, I, you know, I shouldn't say that because I've never been to, to that stadium, it's Dan. It's a dump. I was about to say, I have to it's imagine a it's a dump, but you can confirm. It's a dump. I, I still would go, though, because of the history. Yeah, you know there were some great teams that played in that stadium. Um, Late eighties, eighty nine. Yeah, I mean for sure those yeah. teams, even going back to the seventies. You yeah. know they, the the seventies had world championship teams. Mm-hmm. There's history when you walk in there. Yeah, um, I remember they played an old Who song. He's a real good looking boy. I can't remember <laughs> the name of the song, but I loved it. And they sh- they just showed like all these old highlights of the great players that had been there. Yeah, and that's what they were selling to the fans. I mean, that was it. And you walked in. The bathrooms were nasty. The mm-hmm. booth was nasty. The place to go eat for the media was nasty. Not like anybody cares. The clubhouse was tight. It's a, it was it's a old. reflection. It was of, a reflection of everything right. else. Yeah. yeah, it was nasty. Um, you got me thinking though. Isn't it? I, I love when there's certain certain songs. Like obviously we have Gloria here, but I love when there's certain songs that fans, you know, sing during. Yeah. Like I'm thinking of the Steelers with the. Uh, oh, the the dig is up. The, 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 oh yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The Hangman's Curse or whatever it's called. We Hang- are family with the with yeah. the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, the Heat is on 1985 celebration 82 at the Cardinals. Sure. Yeah, all that stuff takes you back to that generation of player. Right. Or even the, is it, who does Zombie Nation? Ooh, that's a good one for Marshy. That is. It's, it's, it's an SEC school. Oh, you're talking about the school? Yeah. It's a program that does the, they do the Zombie uh-huh. Nation. Constantly. Yeah. I think of the guy, who, who's the guy that um, does the trumpet? And uh, Oh, yeah, for the Mets. Yeah. Yep. That's awesome. When that he plays is, the trumpet in person. That that was great. And Edwin Diaz comes in yeah. for the bullpen. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Anthony's yeah. favorite player, yeah. Edwin Perez. I called, I called him Edwin Perez one time <laughs> in the gauntlet. <laughs> and I said, final answer. And then the next question, go, no. No. That's not what I meant. Uh, hold on. What? 
which college football team plays Virginia zombie. Tech? Is that okay? Inner Sandman? Oh yeah, that's great. That's a pretty yeah. good one. I think they were one of the first full stadiums after COVID, and the place was going bonkers. It was cool to see. It's uh, Penn State. That's it. Penn yep. State does it. I thought it was an SEC school, but yeah, it's Penn State. Blues used to come out to enter Sandman. Did they? Mm-hmm. Uh, Mariano Rivera used to do it too. My dad said so. My my dad went to the the uh, World Series in New York, the nine eleven series, and he said when Rivera came out to enter Sandman. The whole play, he he said the whole stadium was shaking, was shaking like the like he was feeling the ground move underneath. I think I'm the only guy that has ever said this, but I actually liked Shea Stadium. Did you? Everybody thought it was a dump, <laughs> and I thought it kind of was not kind of. It was like, a dump, but I loved it. The it history some, of it, some charm to yeah. it. Yeah, there's like ten seats out in the outfield. Yes, <laughs> a giant <laughs> apple. What? Since we're on the topic, what's your favorite? What's your favorite state? What's your favorite baseball stadium, Dan? Oh man, uh, and you I, can and we can th- divide this. Like you can go old school, new school. Because I feel like if you say something new, you, yeah. you, you feel like you're cheating on the history. So if you want to go old school, new school, you can. I'd say Wrigley and Fenway. Wrigley and Fen- Fenway for the old school. Okay. Yeah, they those two were so pretty modern, awesome. Some of the modern ones. What's Man. your favorite? Uh, give me some. What do you guys like? I've been to the Giants, and I think that that's is. It. I mean, that's it. Yeah, it that's is, it for me. Picture perfect. Uh, picturesque is what I meant to say. Yes. You got the, the the big Coke bottle and the big glove, and they've got the, the overlooking the bay, the garlic the fries, sea, the garlic fries, the seagulls coming yeah. in. How do they know when to come in? I always wondered that. They know. They know, man. It's like the seventh inning, maybe the start, seventh inning stretch, yeah. and you start seeing them roll in. They're birds. They figure it out. Yeah, they do. You made uh, me think of McCarver when Inner Sandman happened. I remember he was telling me, he goes, do you remember? I wrote down the lyrics. And I said, <laughs> no, I really don't remember, but tell me all about it. That he went on this whole dissertation about the lyrics of Inner Sandman. It was perfect for Mariano Rivera. I said, great. Oh, so he was doing it with Rivera. Like he was. Yeah, he, he was telling me, he's like, yeah, one broadcast I decided to, because he was coming in and I just broke down the lyrics of Inner Sandman. I said, I, that, I didn't have that on my bingo card, Tim. <laughs> That's awesome. You guys were fantastic. It was together. fun. A lot you of fun. Fantastic. A lot of fun with him. You, uh, you always, I felt like you, you played perfectly with him. He uh, was kind of your crazy uncle a little yeah. bit, and with a lot of knowledge, though. Sure. Um, and I thought he simplified the game for fans, and mm-hmm. I think he's the last of a great, and I mean a great storyteller. Yeah. Um, there are things that maybe he was missing with the modern game sometimes, mm-hmm. but he'd bring up a story about like 1978, this happened, or ni- 1964, this happened. And it was some random game. And I would go back and fact check it just for fun. Mm. It was spot, spot on. on. He's a fourth inning, 74, and we were in San Francisco. And we did this, that, and the other. And this guy came up. And, I mean, just like some random game. Yeah. And he'd remember it. It was unbelievable how he did that. Uh, you know who else was like that was the late, great Dan Reeves. There you go. That's we another had, one. Yeah, we had him on um, because of his relationship with our former producer, Dan Betlock, Danny Pants. Uh, the beloved Danny Pants was Duncanized producer. Um, and Dan used to get him on because he used to live out in Denver. And anyways, Dan Reeves 
you could ask him, hey, this this moment, this game, whatever, and he would remember what play call it was. First down, second down, third down. Like yeah. he oh, just wow. he had that memory. It's like a photographic memory mm-hmm. of games that you wouldn't. And these were with McCarver. They were just regular, you know, like regular season games that mm-hmm. didn't have significance in the scheme of things of like a playoff game or a World Series game, which he was always on that. Yeah. But I mean, just some random game on a Tuesday night in San Francisco, and he'd bring up something that was. And it was spot on. I'd go back to baseball reference, and he was the fourth inning, and the count was 3-2, and this guy was up, and this guy was on deck, and it was players you never even heard of. That's remarkable. I do miss him on the World Series call. Mm -hmm. Like Joe Davis and John Schmoltz, they're they're good. They're fine. Yeah. But – Joe Buck and Tim McCarver, like that's my World Series yeah. growing up, and at least for me, like when I think of uh, certain games, certain like big time games, I have a certain broadcaster in sure. mind for that. So to yeah, have it switch up, same with the NHL, no more Doc Emmerich. It's just a little yeah. weird. Yeah, yeah, that weird. makes sense. I think you, you just need time, and maybe for you and your fandom, the Cardinals were in it all the time too, mm-hmm. which would make you like that combination. Like synonymous, yeah, exactly. That's a good call. Yeah. You know, if with your home team that those guys were on it. It's so right. funny. I mean, you take heat, no matter who, when you're in that seat. If it's your hometown guy or a national guy, but a national guy. Boy, they seem to love you when the team wins. Oh, yeah. And you're rooting against them <laughs> Boy, if they're losing. You're really good then. And when you lose, you're awful. Yeah. You stink. That's, that's the whole Joe Buck thing, right? Like oh, Joe, yeah. Joe has said that. He's I, 100% I don't, right. I don't hate your team, I promise. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, who, are the, who are the big announcers when you guys were growing up? Like for the World Series, for the Super Bowl? Uh, Al Michaels. Al Michaels, for sure, for the Super Bowl. Musburger. Uh, you know, well, I'll, I'll tell you the combo. Um, and I don't know if they how many Super Bowls they did, but the combo for football was always Madden and Summerall. Summerall, yeah, big time. Mm. Um, that was always great. And then Madden used to, to used to do broadcast with Al Michaels. Yep, he was uh, great for, for playoffs. For the World Series, you would know better than I would, Dan. I can't remember who was in the 90s. Oh, World Series, you had Al Michaels was in on some of that. Was he? McCarver. McCarver, I think, is the only guy in the history of baseball to work for all four networks. Mm. So mm. actually, Jack Buck did uh, maybe a couple World Series. Sean McDonough did some World Series. Keith Jackson did some World Series. So for me, college football was Keith Jackson. Keith Jackson. Hockey. For sure for college football. Yeah. Gary Thorne was oh, yeah. hockey for me. I love Gary Thorne. He was yeah. awesome. He was awesome. He was he was great. Um Nelly. I mean, Joe is the voice of a couple of generations of was, watching uh, the World Series. I really remember I I I've fond memories of Joe Buck in, in my, my head, like the narrating the World Series and uh, also football. Like I remember I remember when Randy Moss faked Moon, the Packers in that <laughs> yeah. playoff game, and Joe, Joe goes, that is disgusting. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I think uh, Joe's first year on the national stage of the World Series was 96. Okay. So from 96 till 2022, yeah, I guess I, it was. I guess I can only remember Joe. I mean, that's 20 some odd years that he did. Sure. But, yeah, they, when it bounced around a little bit, Sean McDonough a couple years, Jack did a couple years, Al Michaels was in there, uh, Keith Jackson calling some of these things. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I'll tell you, the Howard Cosell was on some of these as mm. an analyst. And, you know, it all depended on the network, who had the rights of the network, and then it would flip sure. around on who the uh, announcer was. But when Fox got involved in sports, yeah. it stayed with Fox. So that's why you had the long, long run. Uh for basketball, Dick Emberg. 
I think of him with football too. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. He went to Central Michigan. He was a chip. Did he really? Oh, yeah. Of course he went he to did. chip. Yep. He was a chip. He was awesome. He was great. No doubt. <clears throat> All right. Two questions that we get to? Yeah. Yeah. That so was we'll carry this over. Sports six back continue next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the fast lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me. The sports six pack is refreshed by Maggie O'Brien's, your go-to Irish pub in St. Louis for over forty-two years. So, in a typical Dan and Anthony fashion, we went to. Questions, I think. Uh, yeah, two questions yeah, on the sports, sports six pack. pack. Can I go back to question two? Uh, sure, just for a Absolutely. second. So I can't believe I forgot to mention Vince Scully. Yeah, I mean Vince Scully was the voice of the 1986 uh, Bill Buckner play. Yeah, and I, I've always said this: if if you're, I get goosebumps thinking about it. If you ever want to do play by play, go back and watch the Kirk Gibson home run. It's not the call. The call was magnificent. It's the inning. And how he set the whole thing up, and then they—it's just—it's so good. It's beyond belief how of, of a wordsmith, how unbelievable of a wordsmith he was. But I can still picture it, man. You know, he's—you talk about a roll of the dice. <laughs> this is it. You know, it was awesome. Um, but anyway, that's what I was thinking, Vince Scully. I Wait can't believe minute. I forgot him. How do we not mention John Miller and Joe Morgan? Yeah, no kidding. But John was doing the radio on a lot of those calls, mm-hmm. so you yeah. know, this is a generation of television. But, but for ESPN know, Sunday Night Baseball. But he did do Sunday Night. That yeah, was my Sunday, Sunday Night Baseball. Same, same. Joe Morgan and, of course, uh, John Miller. John Miller. That'll be fine. Uh, Shohei Otani wins the American League MVP. Finished the season. Shocking. Yeah, with a 304 batting average, 44 Ding Dong Johnsons, and uh, 20 stolen bases with a 10-5 and record on the mound. To look great in a Cardinals uniform next year. How many starts? Do you have that in front of you, how many starts he made? I do not, but I can look that up. And while you do that... Question three, please. Question number three. From the 618, I let my three-year-old daughter pick an NFL team to cheer for. <laughs> oh, boy. She picked the Cowboys. Oh, no. I should have took the Cowboys, Rams, and Patriots logos out of the picking. I think I messed up. Do you guys think <laughs> this listener messed up? Um, He pitched. Let me get Dan's question answered here, and then we'll, we'll answer How do you one. go against your little daughter? Yeah, They're never wrong. Don't. Uh, let's see here. Oh, sweet little Show girls, me. and they, they're daddy's little girl. You just yep. go, okay, you like the Cowboys? No we'll problem, like the Cowboys. Sweetie. Yeah. Yep. Where is the – I got I got his batting. Pitching. There we go, Anthony. Drop down. Drop down menu for the pitching. He, had, he made 23 spot. starts. 23 wow, starts. I should have got that in less than you know seven minutes. It's respectable. Uh, 23 starts, yes. Yeah. Yep. Considering they were careful with him at times, they'd push yeah. him back a day or two. Missed the last, what, month? And he's hitting 44 bombs. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. No. No, no, no. Look, the Cowboys, uh, just, Marsh doesn't like them. And a somehow, terrible decision. Somehow I get I get grouped up into Marsh's hate for the Cowboys, too. Like, we had a text <laughs> yeah, the other day. <laughs> They're like, tell them, Dan. Tell them. 
Marsh and Anthony hate the Cowboys. Tell them. <laughs> I don't hate them. I don't hate them at all. Yeah. Uh, I, I grew up with the 90s Cowboys, man. I appreciate them. I respect them. No, so no, you didn't. You didn't mess up. Your kid. I love that you allowed that your child to pick pick their own team. I, I I did that too, and for some reason, my son Killian picked the Pittsburgh Steelers. That was I my think team. That's great. I think it's awesome. Steel when I wasn't curtain. going to the football, I went back to the football. I go back to them. Yeah. So I've I've seen this twice with a team that leaves, Ugh. and I used to go down to a Bush Stadium, old Bush Stadium, and watch the Cardinals. It'd be freezing cold. Yeah, Mel Gray. Uh, Jim Hannafin is a head coach for a while. You had Neil Lomax, Donahue. I, he had all kinds of guys that were O.J. Anderson was one of my favorite players. Who's the offensive lineman that was? Uh, oh, you thinking Dan Deardorff? Not uh, that played next to Dan. Oh, um, Conrad Dobler. Yes, Conrad Dobler. Yeah, yeah. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I think the cover was the world's or the NFL's dirtiest player, yeah. or something like that. He was nasty. Mm, he certainly was. Um, I think Phil Mickelson picked up the entirety of Conrad Dobler's either daughter, I think it was his daughter, but like her entire high school and college uh, tuition. That's incredible. Yeah. I think I'm right about that. Wow. That's yeah. that's it's pretty cool. It's a remarkable story. Conrad obviously was physically yeah, he dealt with a lot of physical problems. Yeah, a lot of physical ailments after he was done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh but no, I think that's great. I think it's great that you allowed her to pick the team. Uh, yeah, my daughter I do too. Madeline picked the uh Dolphins. Nice. And her favorite Tua? college team. To a fan or what? I just think she likes the, the Dolphins logo. <laughs> she's seven, so exactly. she just likes the Dolphins. Uh and her college team. Uh, the Georgia Bulldogs. So, oh, I, I like I that think too. That's great, yeah, I like that too. Now, does she sit down and watch the games? No, but of course not. I'll tell her, hey, Georgia won again, or your Dolphins are playing, or whatever. Do so, your kids go around and watch sports at all? Nope. nope Neither do mine. It. Very rarely. Yep. Uh, my oldest will watch football because he's playing um, fantasy. Okay. Hmm. My next, my next one will kind of watch, but not really. Mm-hmm. But golf is on my TVs in every room. Yeah. So you walk around, you're going to see some random tournament that's being played sure. and broadcast on Golf Channel. I don't, I don't push the sports on them because I, I don't want to be that that dad. And I also think that that just works against you. Yes, I will say last weekend, Killian seemed to be a little bit more interested in the games. I don't know why. I just kind of maybe he's picking up more. We also played in the yard, so I think that helped too. It's also time to hang out with dad if dad's yeah, watching absolutely. the games. No doubt. Yep. No What's doubt. the movie you guys watched? About Sean Payton. Oh, yeah. Uh, what's that? What's that called? What is that movie called? With I'm Sean Payton? Sure thinks Dad will it help was us Sean out. Payton and... Um, what's his face from King of Queens? He was... He was Kevin... He, um, Kevin... Whatever. Yeah, I know what you're talking he, about. He played Sean Payton in the yes, movie. Yes, yes. I do remember that now. I just don't remember the names. Marcy, I can't remember what the name is. Uh, question four, please. It's the home team. There we go. In a, just a second. Yeah, That's home the name team. of the movie. Kevin, Kevin James. James. We, we couldn't Kevin remember James. that. Couldn't yeah. remember Kevin James. Two first names. Unbelievable. Couldn't remember. Oh, my God, Kristen. My wife goes, uh, home team in all caps. <laughs> 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 Come on, Anthony, how do you not remember? <laughs> home team. 
Oh, that's hilarious. She just did it again. This is a reminder we're on a 30 seconds delay. She goes, it's home team! With even more exclamation points. Thank you, Kristen. Yes. All right, Dan, team. you asked for question number four? I did. Question four, please. Question number four. From V314, are the cards more likely to spend a little more on a player like Yamamoto or other free agents without qualifying offers as opposed to NOLA, who costs both money and draft compensation? I think that's a really good question. I think they're just going to try to fill spots as they come. If they, if something, let's, I'll just throw Nola out there for an example. If the money would come and they're comfortable with it, I don't give. I don't think they care what is the compensation attached to that player. If it means that they can get them and that's the player they target, I think they would go after him. Yeah, that's I think, what I think. I, I mean, I want to believe that. For sure. Sure. Uh, I hope that's the case. And I, I just threw Nola's name out there as just an example. Yeah. By the way, what did I say 28 minutes ago? Because I just got a tweet that said shameful, period. Anybody remember what it I said? It could 20? have been me. I don't know. Uh-huh. Maybe you said you're a Cowboys fan. I, I, Very well could have been me. Yeah. I say a lot of shameful I stuff. spew a gotta, lot of things on this show. Yeah, you got you to gotta be, be specific. You got to throw, you throw know, arrows. Somebody just said... Uh, and they must not have been listening the other day. I I jump all over the place because my mind works that way. Mm-hmm. And, then, and they said, I asked about a stadium, and it went into music, and then it went to our favorite yeah. broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> By the way, a lot of people said PNC Park for that question. I missed I that hear, one. I hear a lot of PNC Park. I have not been there, but I hear PNC Park. Great. Great. It's right on the Allegheny. So it's you, you have like the, the river feel. It's not that far away, obviously, from the stadium. Um, you can walk from downtown across the Clemente Bridge to get into the ballpark, and the ballpark is really cool. I mean, it's just a very, very beautiful ballpark. And when the sun sets and you look across the river, it looks like a painting of the silhouette of downtown. It, it doesn't, like, you can't believe how it looks. It doesn't mm-hmm. look real. And then the ballpark has the amenities and good sight lines and all that stuff, and it's not too big. Although they don't draw, it, but when they do, the place is rocking. Yeah. Just, it's rare when they're drawn. It's a great city. For it sports. is. It is. Very much so. Question five, please. Question number five. Thank you. From the 636, does Harbaugh deserve to coach Michigan outside of the regular season? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. First, let's let's be clear about this. I'm not saying that he did not know what was going on. I'm not saying that he didn't orchestrate the whole deal. Okay, but they have zero evidence. Zero. What about the on, picture of the kid, though? No, no, no. Uh, on Harbaugh, they have oh, zero yeah. evidence that Jim Harbaugh knew or was associated with it. Now, I'm sure he was, but he's the head of the ship. Again, I'm sure he was. I'm sure he knew what was going on, but if we're talking about physical evidence against him when it comes to science, they do not have. What else do you need with a kid on the sideline dressed in the opposing team's stuff? I'm talking only about Jim Harbaugh. All right? How would he not know? Listen, Dan, I I mean, what I'm saying is you don't have evidence against my client that he committed this murder. I I understand what you're saying. No, it's in the building. Circumstantial evidence. And that's flimsy at best. He's an accomplice. <laughs> so all you're going to get is the three games, all right? Yeah. And that's it. Old Harbaugh is a victim, and now it's Michigan's America's the team. underdogs. America's, America's team. team now. I just... I'm kidding, by the way. He is just trolling everybody, too, with yes, how he, he came is. in with that, that press conference. <laughs> I love Feinbaum, too. Feinbaum is like, he is not 
A victim. <laughs> Obviously. Fine bomb ripped Obviously, in. fine bomb. He's tro- like Dan said, he's trolling you. Yes. At this point. He's mocking you. He's with mocking his, the whole thing. With his Coles khakis. <laughs> he's mocking you. Do you kind of like him, though? He's a great villain. Yeah, he's a weirdo. Yeah. He's such a villain right now. Uh, well, you consider him a villain? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Like right now? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, right now, yeah. But I don't know if he's like an he's overall... He's kind of a goofy villain, though. He is a goofy villain. He reminds right. me of like a Disney Channel villain. That's... I would like to see what the ratings are going to be with Michigan, Ohio State, two weekends, right? Two, mm-hmm. We're two weekends away. Yeah. Um, let's say for a college football game in the last 10 years... Not overall, not the most highly rated college football game ever, because before cable television, I'm sure you had massive numbers on certain games. Mm-hmm. This will be so uh, so highly touted and and built up. I'm not sure you will have a bigger game, and I mean even the national championship, than what we're seeing with Michigan-Ohio State. This will probably be the biggest regular season game. I don't think there's any doubt about it. You think yeah. in the last 10 years? Oh, in the last 10 years. Um I don't know. Was Michigan one and, and Ohio State two, or vice versa, at some point over those ten years? Because I feel like we did get a one versus two at some point. The last fairly couple years, recently. it probably is. Ah, this is a good question, Dan. Maybe not. I can't wait for it though. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's so, a fun game. So to Michigan's watch. got Maryland, and it's a fun weekend too, because because next weekend's Thanksgiving. Yes, and you've got the Black Friday games. Yep. And then Saturday is usually Michigan Ohio State at noon. Can't and, wait. I mean, those games are eleven here. That that. It's going to be awesome. Yep. All right. It's Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. What you miss? Criticisms, compliments next. We're right back to the Fast Lane podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. you miss anything from today's show, which was kind of a wild one, we had Alex Ferrario in yeah. for the first hour, uh, Marsh and I for a couple of segments, Jamie came in, we talked to Chris Kerber, Dan for the final two hours, uh, again, we're all over the road today. Um, if you miss anything, though, download the podcast, 101ESPN.com, your 101 ESPN mobile apps, all brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The one constant, though, is uh, Marshy mm-hmm. and uh, you too, Anthony. And you. <laughs> uh, speaking of you. Marsh, what do we got for criticisms and compliments? All right. From the 636, did Stalter take off his Sharks jersey because of the YouTube stream I... or because of their record? I don't mind their jersey. I kind of like the but logo. I, I do, too. But I don't own one. You were wearing it the Sharks. other day. I was not. Marshy, do you see him back yeah, in the office? It was an I, Owen Nolan jersey. I have, yeah. not wa- I have not worn. I don't know who that is. I have, scored at mid-ice against the Blues in Game 7 when they were the President's Cup. That's cha- right. Uh, that's yeah. right. It was a tough one. Um, that's when you bought it. That's when Bergey <laughs> threw the puck in his own net, but whatever. It was tough to watch. I have never been a Sharks Quit fan. Quit bringing it up, Anthony. Jeez. <laughs> you only bring it up every, every damn... Sports Center update. It's hard to watch. Well, I'm just letting uh, the people know. Game seven. I don't know how you know. could be a Sharks fan after that, I but know. whatever. Anthony. Yeah. Uh, we got one from the 636. LOL. Anthony swapped the supermarket out with gym stuff for his go to analogy. Yeah, I did. <laughs> what <What'd> do <laughs> you say? I usually go to, well, I usually use the supermarket analogy for, for Cardinals. Then I I changed it up a little bit. I went with the uh, the gym 
analogy today. Like somebody the at the gym. Like somebody at the out. gym. You know those you know those guys that kind of walk around, it's all eyewash. Like they, they walk they don't around really work quick. out. They don't mean. really work out. Like ah. they kind of pick up the, the the weights and then put them down and I got you. You know, like they're always stretching, but they're really not doing anything. Yeah. I felt like that that has been the Cardinals the last couple off seasons. Kind of feel it's me. You sure that's not me when we're no, at, a, at know, the I've Missouri seen, Athletic Club? I've seen you at the MAC. That's my MAC. My MAC, too. Um, <laughs> but I've never seen you in the gym yet. I haven't, I haven't seen you in the gym yet. I, know I don't you think you want there. to. I, why not? I know you get well, your work I done. Just, I just kind of look around. A little stretch. All right, time for steam. <laughs> <laughs> the steam is good. Uh, before we sign off, we mentioned that Shohei Otani won AL MVP. Ronald Acuna Jr. wins the National League MVP. No surprise. 41 home runs this year. Led the Braves in a – he had 73 stolen bases. I was going to say, it's how many steals did he wind up remarkable. with? 47 seasons. 40, 70 season. Wow. First one in MLB history. It's unbelievable. For Dan McLaughlin, thanks, buddy. We'll see you on Monday. You got it. BT in with us tomorrow. For Andrew Marsh, I'm Anthony Stalter. We appreciate everybody joining us. Don't forget, 8.30 tonight, pregame for Blues and Sharks. See ya! You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.